All episodes of the Garage Build podcast are recorded live in the Law Fran Studios. The law offices of Fran Hosh, Palm Harbor, Florida. Call 1-866-LAW-FRAN or go to lawfran.com. The law offices of Fran Hosh, serving the Tampa Bay biker community for over 20 years. Hey there, welcome back to the Garage Bill Podcast for episode 57. Frank Rodriguez, he's my local Kimball Midwest rep, and that's how we met, and we've been friends for about three or four years now. He's a fellow diner rider, fellow Dixon flannel addict, fellow beer enjoyer, and I had a good time talking to him. Want to give a shout out to our sponsors, Arlen Ness Motorcycle Company. What can be said about Arlen Ness that hasn't already been said? Not much. Go to arlenness.com and when you check out, use the code GarageBill10 to save 10% on all your orders over $100. 1620 Workwear USA. Look, I know it's more expensive than the workwear you're already wearing, but it's more comfortable. It's going to last longer. It's worth every penny, and I'm going to help save you money. Pick out some pants, pick out a hoodie, and when you check out, you're going to save 20% when you type in Speed Metal at your discount code. Electric Lighting Co. Brought to you by NAMS. They are the brightest LEDs with the best warranty for your V-Twin motorcycle. You're going to get free shipping when you use the code SPEED2021 on all orders over $100. Bell Helmets. I'm super stoked that the Garageville podcast is now sponsored by Bell Helmets. It's a huge feather in my cap. I'm super happy about that. Hopefully, you're already following them on Instagram at bell underscore power sports. If you're looking for a new Bell Helmet, go to bellhelmets.com. Type your zip code into the dealer locator, and they're going to tell you where you can find a Bell helmet close to you. We're also brought to you by the High Seas Rally. What is the High Seas Rally, you ask? I'm glad you asked. Four ports, seven days, 3,000 bikers, Molly Hatchet, Fog Hat, Trace Adkins, and the Black Smoke Sinners featuring Xavier Muriel, the former drummer of Buck Cherry. Xavier is also the host of this Big old party on the high seas, and he's going to be giving away a hand-built motorcycle that he built at his shop in Cedar Park, Texas. So one of the 3,000 crazy people on this boat is going to go home with a brand new hand-built motorcycle. So with it, I give you episode 57 with my good buddy, Frank Rodriguez. Ride safe. You're listening to the Garage Build Podcast with your host, Jason Coleman. Talking to microphone, mic check. Mic check, 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 check. So you don't have the headphones on, so I can't play my, uh, I can't play my, my sound bites, but that's all right, because they won't be able to hear them online either, so it sounds pretty good. So we're already recording, so cool, man. a bike that... Rolls in on the intro. The, I do that in posts. <laughs> right? Oh, man, that's funny. So, uh, cool. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself real quick? My name is uh, Frank Rodriguez. From? From uh, from originally New York, but uh, Plant City's home. My freaking Puerto Rican friend. Yeah. <clears throat> right? You're yeah. Plant City? Yeah. There's been a few homes for me. Bronx, New York, originally. Then uh, we moved to Phoenix, Arizona. That's where I met my... Lovely wife. Your special lady to, friend. My special lady. Shout out to Angie Rodriguez. If she's <laughs> listening and watching. 
I don't know. It'll come up. We're doing it. This is the first time I've ever done a live one, so I don't know how it's going to work, but we're we're thinking, I'm thinking it's going to go good. Hopefully everybody can hear the, uh, oh, Jay's on. Jay's watching Jay, us. Oh, Jay's yeah. We're going to catch him. Yeah, he's I got it. That's why I'm wearing a hat. He's going to make your part crooked next time because yeah, right? he's gonna I was on here before him. Shave the Wu-Tang in the back of my head again. <laughs> Fucker. Uh, so, no, I, you know, fellow, uh, I, I've, I've been wanting to have you on here for a minute just to, man, some of the podcasts that I've done lately, uh, I've been a little, a little heavy in content. Yeah. You know what I mean? I did yeah. one. I don't do. You, did you hear the one I did with, uh, that I just released last week, the, with, uh, J Mac big bone one percenter. Yes, I did. Yeah. So that one's been a little, um, uh, I don't know what, what's with the right, uh, uh, camera's telling me the video. Yeah. The video is sideways cam so that I can get everybody in the shot. So that was a good one though. I enjoyed it. You did? I did. Okay, good, because I've gotten some mixed reviews on it, and I really? don't know. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so hopefully I get some mixed reviews on this yeah. one, too. It, um, if I don't get anything, if I didn't get anything else, I get a uh, few, uh, my dad likes to call them $20 words, and you get two people on both ends using the... Uh... $20 words, too many $20 words. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, good thing I don't have to pay for those words. You know what I mean? <laughs> so... um your wife is on. I'm is watching. She, yeah, she's on. Tell her, uh, mood of my life. I love you. <laughs> so, um, fellow Dixon flannel addict, fellow Donna yes. rider, yes. fellow, uh, in, so you're kind of, I want to have you on just to, just to kind of fuck around and, and talk to everybody. But, um, I'm trying to think we go back now, we go back three or four years at least, right? Did you yes. used to come to the small shop that I had off of airport road? Yes. Woodrow Wilson. That's where I first met you. Um, Went on sales calls, knocking uh, knocking on doors, and uh, I think I've heard you refer to salespeople as the uh, snake oil sales. So I, snake oil yeah, salesman. Um, so I knocked on your door with some snake oil, and uh, well, I'm trying to. I don't remember ever. I don't remember ever having a problematic relationship with with you as a salesperson. No, no, no. Um, can we say who you work for? Yeah, I could, yeah, we can. You uh, work for Kimball Midwest. Yeah, so yeah. the the tie in there is that not only do you you and I both ride the same kind of motorcycle. We hang out in the same kind of, same kind of, you know, same kind of people. And we're both Dixon flannel addicts. And, uh, but you're actually, you're a vendor for us. And yeah. anybody that has a motorcycle <clears throat> shop, at least in the state should know that Kimball Midwest, and this isn't a commercial. I'm just saying like, this is yeah. how we met. Yeah. And so your stuff is all made in the U S and, right. and you guys sell quality stuff. And yeah. so I, I thought it was, it's applicable at, at the very least, right. but. So we were talking about some stuff earlier. It was we were talking. You've been down here since two thousand and four, right? Two thousand and four, we moved here. Yep. So where did you? So kind of give us your backstory a little bit. Like you came, you grew up. You said you grew up in Brooklyn, Bronx, the Bronx. Yeah, oh, even the, even harder. Good, good name drop. Some homies X, showing up. Yeah, damn. Yeah. So you you grew up there until when did you move away from there? We left uh, New York um, when I was sixteen, nineteen eighty nine. We left. Um, People ask me how to, when we left New York and we went to Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona. Right. And uh, people will ask what made your parents choose there. I really honestly believe my dad spun the map or he just closed his eyes and, and maybe threw a dart at the map and said, we're moving to Phoenix. And uh, I think uh, he thought maybe the gold rush was still going on in 89 <laughs> and he figured we'd move out west. And uh, we didn't find gold, but uh, we moved out there and we stayed there till um, with different Family members left, but I left um, first, I believe, in uh, 2004, and we came here to Florida. All right, and you brought your wife with you. I brought my wife and, and my your son, son, Frankie. Yep. yep, and Frankie's, are, I mean, how old's Frankie? Frankie is 25 now. He was okay. born in Phoenix. So okay, gotcha. Uh, so, and you met your special lady friend in, yes. in Phoenix, right? Yeah, okay. in Phoenix. 
So does your family still live there? My family, um, so my dad moved to Florida first because my grandparents were out here. Oh, I got so you. So I've okay. had ties to the Central Florida region for a long time. Um, I used to come now when I think 80, 1986 was the first time I came to went to Plant City and visited my uh, my uncle and stayed with my uncle. So I had an uncle that lived here. That's a weird introduction yeah. to Florida. Yeah. When you get introduced yeah. to Florida, like I think everybody on everybody in the world thinks that Florida is like, uh, you know, beaches. Palm trees, um, pastel colors, um, linen suits, right. Ferraris, yeah. and, you know what I mean? That yeah. kind of shit. And then yeah. you come down here and you find out that there's like rednecks and yeah. hicks and oh, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of, it's very yeah. weird. Florida has a very weird history when it comes to that. So you guys came down to Plant City. Yeah, I visited in Plant City in 86. So I made a couple of trips here in, back then and that was my first introduction to Florida. I remember going to the beach for the first time in Florida and it was, right. it was pretty cool, but... Um, so I had ties here. My my uh, my grandparents had retired from New York to Puerto Rico, and they just couldn't make it on their own in Puerto Rico anymore. So my uncle moved them here with him to Florida, and then my dad ended up coming to Florida and spending um, the last few years with my grandfather while he was still alive. And um, I wanted to get here before Grandpa passed. That was my goal. Right. And I it was just burning in my heart to get to Florida while Grandpa was still alive, and I missed him by uh, by a few months. But the cool thing is um, that I, my son, when we moved here, my son, for about five to ten years, he got to go to church every Sunday with his great grandmother and sit next to her. Like, yeah, that's, that's uh, like I don't even remember. I don't even know what. I barely remember my great grandmother. For him to have that, like that's crazy cool. Yeah, no, that's very cool. I mean, that's you know, to be family oriented and that kind of stuff. I mean, everybody. I mean, I know it's everybody wants to talk about like you know hardcore, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's uh, it to have those kinds of things definitely are uh, impactful and they they kind of they they change the arc of, of the way you do things yeah. and see things. That's that's good that you recognize that. And so you're, what are you? Second generation, third generation here from Puerto Rico, or did so? My dad was born in Puerto Rico, so I'm first gen. Okay, my dad was born on the island, moved here when he was about, I think, ten or twelve. Right, and, um, uh, you know, acclimated to you. You come from so Puerto dad's Rico. fluent in Spanish. Yes, you so not, I, didn't you, I didn't grow up speaking Spanish at home. Not at all. Not at all. So at you all. don't speak Spanish. I speak. I speak Spanglish. So Sp that's a language. I speak Spanglish. I think that's. I think that's made up. No. no, I mean that's like a movie with Adam Sandler, yeah. but that's not like a real language. Right. I mean, there's not it's, like a there's not like a right. Noah Webster's Spanglish dictionary. I literally, if I showed you the text from to my uh, to no, I will bring it up. I'm gonna go to uh, my text to my. Uh, this is probably sounds bad. My my landscaper happens to be of uh, Spanish background. You're so. racist, dude. <laughs> my landscaper at home is a white so dude. So listen to this. How crazy is that? Listen to this. This is my this is Spanglish. We can break down okay. Spanglish for you. Estoy pensando en cortar los setos in the back, just the back one. Me puedes dar un quote. So <laughs> I was telling him that if he can cut, I'm thinking of cutting my back hedges, just the back hedge. Can you give me a quote? That's, <laughs> so that's Spanglish. <laughs> that is funny, dude. No, I like, dude, my landscaper's white. Really? Yeah, his name's Richard. Wow. He's a white dude. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. I'd probably get a better price than you, though. <laughs> <laughs> I get the hookup. <laughs> I get good. the hookup. No, so um, so you're first generation here, and we were talking earlier. Like, 
I think Puerto Rico has like one of my best friends is Cuban, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's uh, Cubans are very proud of their Cuban heritage, mm -hmm. but they're also very dismissive of Cuba just because of what happened, right? And so there's like this this thing that kind of when when you have these conversations because these conversations come up. I love talking about this kind of stuff because I'm I love to travel, mm -hmm. and I'm and I didn't always like I I'm, seriously, dude. When I when I got married. In 94, we came on our honeymoon and we stayed in Plant City. Oh, wow. And then uh, we came back here every year to Plant City to stay at least once a year, sometimes twice, depending on what was going on in the family, right? It was, it was close enough to where <clears throat> we didn't have to get a hotel at Disney World. Right. We could take our kids there. We'd stay with Karen's aunt and uncle and right and do all that. And then uh, so I, that was kind of my, like, introduction to, to Florida. Mm -hmm. And so, um, having friends that are, that are from very different backgrounds, right? Um, my Cuban friend is very, very proud, very proud of being Cuban, but he's very proud of being American. Like yeah. I, I, I find that there's, that's something that, and we can, you know, I kind of like talking about things that are a little, little controversial. Yeah. Um, Immigration is kind of a, a sore subject with people, right? Right. And then you have these relationships like you and I have. We're friends. We kid around. And, and you make more – honestly, you make more, like, little like yeah. punches and stuff yeah. about, about being Puerto Rican than yeah. anybody else I've ever heard you say um, to you or anything. But it's like there's, like, this weird thing where it's not it's it's not racism, but it's racial. Yeah. Right? There's, like, yeah. these little jokes. Like, back in the day, dude, you'd tell, like, Italian jokes, Polak jokes – Irish jokes, yeah. you know, Greek jokes. I know, right. I know all kinds of jokes like that. But for somehow, when it, someone has brown skin, it gets it gets dicey and it gets yeah. kind of it gets mean. And it's not necessarily yeah. sometimes they are meant to be mean, and right. you know those ones aren't funny. But there are little funny jokes uh, that that are said. But it's amazing when you when you're around somebody who has a very different optic of of being an American because Puerto Rico especially is is kind of American. Mm -hmm. And you guys have like this really unique relationship with America where you can, you, you guys are proud to be Puerto Rican, but you're also, you kind of are like Americanized and in, in, right. in politically and socioeconomically. And there's a lot of carryover, but you got to be fluent in Spanish. If you go over there to, right. to get anything done, it's yeah. really kind of a, a yeah. kind of a weird thing, you yeah. know, it's yeah. interesting to yeah. me, but you can get by in English. So when um, I actually, before I worked for Kimbo, I worked for another company that was a similar industry and um, Puerto Rico was part of my territory. So I would go there every three months or so. So, um, but with the whole, um, like being proud of Puerto Rico, right? Puerto Ricans are very proud. Right. So proud of their identity and their language. So um, my aunt kind of coached me on when you, when I would have a, have a meeting with a potential client that I would start that conversation in Spanish and then, you know, let my English come out. And then I would just let them know, Hey, English is my first language. Is it okay with you if we, you know, continue the, our, our conversation in English? And they, and you would you can get by with English over there. That's funny that, that that's like a social cue that you find out in business. And and you know, there's like these these uh, socioeconomic ladders that occur, right? And and they occur in business. Mm -hmm. They occur in commerce. And with the difference between business and commerce, obviously, is businesses you're conducting a business transaction between two two businesses, right? right. The business to business stuff. I consider that to be, you know, th that's a transaction that is that is a business related transaction. Where commerce is, um, there's a a vendor and a uh, and a consumer, 
right? There's a, there's, there's that, that, that's commerce. I need something that you sell. You provide something that I need. We agree on a price. So the social, the social rules are different. They're the constructs that you conduct yourself in. So one of the things that, um, that I, I learned ironically enough, watching a comedy documentary was that in, uh, in Japan, if you're going to hand somebody a business card, like if somebody handed you a business card, they hand it to you with, with two hands, right? right? And you receive it with two hands and you never just put it in your pocket. You're supposed to socially, you're supposed to make some sort of a compliment, right? Wow. And then you go to like other places in Asia where um, there's a certain hierarchy, like in Korea, mm-hmm. if we all sit down at a table and whoever's oldest, regardless of their socioeconomic status, we're all at the same table. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything is based off of age. Mm-hmm. So the oldest person eats first, right? Just mm-hmm. out of out of respect for what's happening, right? right? So all of these things that occur are rules and in, in social things that you don't know. There's cues that happen. And I would think it was brilliant of your aunt to kind of coach you on that, yeah. to let you know, like, hey, yeah. it's kind of an opener, especially yeah. you're coming over from the States, right? Yeah. Like, I know when someone... I don't know what they're fucking saying, but I know if somebody's talking about me yeah, in another yeah, language. Yeah, like yeah. I've heard it in Arabic, I've heard it in you know, in in especially in in uh, in Spanish. Yeah, and I I don't I don't know how to speak Spanish, mm-hmm. but I'm finding that the more you know, having one of my best friends be, I mean, this dude has no accent at all, mm-hmm. and that fast he can st- straight up like rattle it off. Like it's Spanish is his first language. Right. And English is a second, but he has no, like, no, no, uh, accent or anything. Wow. Like his cousin, his cousin is from Miami yeah. and he's got this, like this little thing, yeah, like yeah, this Cuban yeah, thing. He's yeah. like, I when you eat cuz, you know, and it's like, fucking, it's, you know, it's yeah. like, he's going to sell you some snake oil or something. Right, you know what right, I mean? Right. Everything, and everything he said. Right. Chorizo. It's own culture. I remember going to Miami for the first time, meeting with a sales rep and jumping in the car and she, um, she schooled me too. She goes, all right, we're going to visit customers. And a lot of my customers will have coffee. If they offer you coffee in a little cup, you take it. No matter how, if you don't want it, you still take it. And by the I was just so wired. But there's so much caffeine packed in them tiny cups. Bro, when we go to Jose and Gail's, like, uh, <clears throat> Jose doesn't listen to any of these podcasts. But I can I can honestly say, dude, he's, he's one of the best friends I've ever had in my whole life. And he's um, he's very... He's very Cuban, but he's not, it's, it's, I don't know how to, I don't know how to explain it. It's not like, you know, it's, it's not an, in a weird thing, but at the end of the night, we usually finish the night with some Cuban coffee. Yeah. I mean, after I've been yeah. drinking my balls off yeah. all day and yeah. eating food and stuff, yeah. and we have that Cuban coffee and I'm always afraid that I'm not going to be able to sleep, right. <laughs> but dude, I don't know, for some reason the edge just gets yeah. knocked right off and yeah. we're good. I think that's a Spanish Caribbean thing. I remember growing up that it was always when we'd have a uh, company over, it always closed the night with, uh, with coffee. I love the traditions that you get from different um, different uh, ethnic backgrounds. And I, and, and here, here's one of the things that I, I think that as human beings and as Americans, we need to recognize. Like we have an immigration situation in this country that I'm not, I'm not very happy with the way things are going, right? right. Um, we are a nation of immigrants. Like that's a fucking fact, dude. Yeah. Like if you get if you get a real history book, not written for school, not this colonial, um, you know, indoctrination shit that the Rockefellers and and the captains of industry around the turn of the last century put together to make sure that they had enough workers to fill their factories and and move us along. I mean, there was a purpose there. I mean, you know, some people are just dum dums, and mm-hmm. so they got good education, better educations mm-hmm. than they would have got where they were at. But 
you read a real history book about the way things really went down in history and kind of unpack those pieces and, and look, we are a nation of immigrants and it's, I don't think that it's acceptable, nor do I think that it's wrong. Um, at the same time, to, like we can't marginalize where we came from. Right. And at the same time, we can't, you know, you can't have an open door policy. You just can't. I don't think right. you can have an open gate. Like you, right. every, it can't just become one come all. Right. We've all been bit by by something that's happened negatively, somebody that's not supposed to be there. I mean, you know, it's like Jim Brewer, this comic. Do you know who he is? The goat boy on Saturday Night Live from way yes, back yes, when we were yes, kids. Yes, okay, yes. so he's got this this shtick that he does. There's bit. I can't get that goat picture out of my mind. Right, where he's talking about he's having a, like there's a party in your stomach, right? Right. And the Irish dudes show up and they want to drink whiskey, and then the Scottish people show up and they want to drink scotch, right. and then the Mexicans show up and they want to drink tequila. You know what I mean? There's right. like all these, and he's using it to kind of draw. It's it's a racial parallel, but it's to paint this picture that. I don't want if we all homogenize and become one, mm -hmm. we lose storied traditions that help build our economy, help build our socioeconomic status. I mean, you know, there's people out there that don't believe in God, right? Okay, but adhering to Judeo-Christian principles is not a bad thing, right? You know, the golden rule: you don't need ten commandments if you follow the golden rule. Right. The golden rule is do unto others as you'd have done to you. End of. Like in every fucking situation, mm -hmm. it's like um, there's a book called Ethics 101 that I read, and I used to make my students read it every year because I, I ran – when I ran that uh, automotive academy, there's a business component to that, right? Mm -hmm. So I'd have these kids read this, and there was a thing about business ethics. And there's no such thing as business ethics. There's just ethics, right? right. So it, it scares me and it hurts me that we would lose traditions right. because we're trying to homogenize everybody. Right. So I don't know what you think about that. I mean, being being the fact that you're you're not an immigrant, but you're son of an immigrant, right? right? I right. mean, for all intents and purposes, right. and you've lived other different right. parts of the country, right? Son of an immigrant that also fought for our country. My dad served in the army um, because being you born in Puerto Rico, you're a U.S. citizen, so you have that where you're proud of being Puerto Rican, but right. you also I grew up being proud of our our country, our nation, and the process that that. With all that, so. yeah, my dad served from '69 to '71 in the U.S. Marine Corps. My dad was '70 to '72. Really, your dad was in the army. Yes, right on. Were you ever in the military? No. <laughs> um, my dad flat my, feet. Um, my dad was like he he didn't want me to go through that. Like he wanted you as as parents, we always want better for our kids, right? So I don't want my son to be a salesman, even though I've earned the good made a good living out of it, right? Yeah, so but I your want, son's an excellent salesman, from yeah, what I understand. Yeah, he is. I mean, you're born. That's something you're born right. into, right? He has that skill. But you want more for your kids. So my dad didn't want me to go through the army, but I went through a, a period in my life where you know he saw that he had to rein me in and. Uh, he took me to the recruiter one day, and the recruiter was a Marine. And he's like, so he, the recruiter asked me, what branch are you looking at, uh, thinking of joining? My dad said, Army. And he goes, oh, you serve, sir. And it was like, that was a funny uh, situation. But then it didn't work out. Uh, it was uh, pre-Clinton, and they wanted a little more from, I wasn't finished with high school yet at that time, so they wanted a little more of a procedure. Back then, you had to have so much community college, and then shortly after that, they changed it. Really? Yeah. I would have thought you would have been almost too tall to serve in the fucking military. How tall are you? Uh, six. I'm six three, so it's probably about six two then. Okay. Yeah. So you're. I mean, you're not like like fucking towering no. tall, but you're you're 
you're right at that edge where you you know where you might not be able to have mid controls on your dyna. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right at that edge. Yeah, that's why I'm we got to put mids on that yeah, thing though. It'll look a lot better. Does your bike ride better? Do you notice a difference after we fix the? Oh yeah. Isn't that it weird? So much better. I'm like whipping turns like freaking like. It's them FXR division yeah, bars, them dude. Bars, dude, they're nasty. Were the, those are torch? Were those FXR division or torch industries? Those are FXR, FXR division, FXR fourteen division. inch. Those are yeah. dope, dude. FXR. When I got, came home that day after I left here, I um, I pulled into, I left it in the driveway, and um, so I was staring at it. And my wife, they have the ring like right there by where the bike is. The ring so, doorbell. Yeah, the ring. Or the ring the, uh, over the garage. The ring camera. And I gotta I, get one of those. Yeah, no, they're cool. They're, dude, I want one aiming down the driveway because my driveway is like 108 feet long. Yeah, and I'm always. Dude, I fucking left, dude, the other night. What was it? What was it last day, last week when it rained, the day that it rained? That was just like two, three days ago, wasn't it? Yeah, dude. I rode home from here. I rode the FXR home. I can tell you exactly what night it was. It was a week ago tonight, and here's how I know. Because when I got home, I pulled in front of Karen's Cadillac mm -hmm. and, like, parked the bike, shut it off. I went over and opened the garage, and I grabbed the – I had to grab the – uh, recycle bin, mm -hmm. take it to the road, and grab the trash can and bring back. Mm -hmm. I fucking walk right by the fucking bike. I see my dog. My dog's, like, wanting me to come in. So I go in and pet the dog. I left my fucking motorcycle in the driveway with the fucking keys in it oh, all night long. Karen wow. comes out the next morning at, like, 630. She's like, hey, your your FXR is in the driveway. Why would you leave it out? I was like, oh, shit, dude. And it rained all night. So, dude, I... I I think I get scatterbrained. I have so much on my fucking yeah. brain, dude. That never happens to me. My, 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 my wife will tell you that I never get scatterbrained. Never get scatterbrained? Never. Ever, right? No. <laughs> She's always yelling at me. So um, we put uh, we put the FXR Division bars on yeah. the bike last week. You got... We have to shout out uh, Jeff G. Holt because I had been... we When I met you... Holla! When I met you, <clears> I was... I've, one of the suggestions you gave to me was like, we need to... You know, get rid of those nasty. I think I called it. Street. We had to denerd it. Yeah, we got to denerd it. So we were making progress, and um, I saw on his page he did a review on those bars. And I'm like, and I tagged you. I was like, those are the bars. Yeah, like, that's the shit. Bars. Like Jeff's, Jeff's my boy. Um, it's funny you've had that bike a minute. I've had it for. You got it in seventeen. Yes, seventeen. Because so I put the that's my four years, tags dude. on the other day, and the first tag was seventeen. That's four years, dude. Yeah. You've had that thing four years now. Yeah. Was that your first Harley? Yes. What did did you ride at all before that? No. Really? No. I think I remember that. I remember you coming in. I'm okay. This is what I remember when you first came in. When you first came in, you're like you're 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 like a real timid salesperson. You're not like you know like not hey, pushy. Yeah. no. But were you with Kimmel Midwest when you first came yeah. in? Yeah. Huh. I don't know why. I was I with thought... my boss that day. So my boss and it was really. I think I was new with the company. You were? Yeah. Because I, I remember really you had, you were wearing Under Armour sleeves all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, God damn, man, it's got to be hot. And yeah. you're like, yeah, I can't because of my tattoos. Right. And they don't make me cover them, but I cover them for just for. But didn't, back then, wasn't it like suggested or something? No, no one no? ever suggested it. But just, I remember when you first get into sales, you get some, you know, you get sales tapes, right? I remember I found some tapes at the Goodwill and I started listening to them. And, and one guy, um, one of the sales trainers, he suggests, he says that salespeople should never smoke cigarettes because there's a, a, a group of people, let's say 75% of the people that you come in contact with are anti-smokers. So you don't want to turn off those smokers, right? And so you shouldn't smoke or at least smell like cigarettes when you're These were on a cassette calls. tape? Yeah, cassette tapes. They were th cassette tapes, so it had to be like 25 or 30 years old. Yeah, 
Yeah, but it's still good content in there. It, it that's really weird that they picked that though yeah. to be something that long ago because yeah. smoking wasn't un, wasn't terribly. I'm trying to remember when it became like kind of taboo. Yeah, it still is now, dude. It, yeah. I fucking hate cigarettes. Yeah. There's nothing I hate on the planet more than cigarettes the, I, and dip. I had a, a barber where I stopped going to. Um, before Jay, but I stopped going to this barber because he would smell like I hated. Dude, I can't fucking like, deal with it, dude. If Jay stopped smoke, started smoking. I, I'm, I'm done with him. Did you hear that, Jay? <laughs> yeah. He's watching right now. He's like these <laughs> motherfuckers, man. No, I'm just. I, I don't. Here's the thing. Here's my. Here's my take on cigarettes. Mm. I understand doing something when you're young that maybe doesn't make a lot of sense, right? I also understand like the fact that there is. <sighs> There's a certain amount of um, ignorance that goes along with anything you do. Like we we self we justify stupid shit basically, right? But fucking cigarettes are it's like there are over 500 chemicals in a cigarette designed to make you sick and make you addicted. Right. That to me is some fucking it, it's so crazy fun. to me yeah. that that it's that popular that 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 that's something that people do. Like, I remember my dad smoked, my mom smoked. I remember being uh, like 13 years old and my mom writing a letter like, please sell my son no. one pack of Marlboro soft pack and one pack of Merit 100s and then sign her name and put like our phone number and then gave me like, I don't know, back then cigarettes were probably 250 a pack or something. Looses were 10 cents. Lucy's. I never. <laughs> my parents never did the Lucy thing, dude. My grandmother fucking had cigarettes and candy dishes around her house, dude. Like she was a legit smoker. Like that's what she did. Like some people, some people's grandmas had candy. My grandma. I started smoking when I was like twelve because or thirteen because she had these giant decorative lighters and there were cigarettes all over the house. Yeah. I mean, she had a listen. My grandmother was like probably the cleanest human being on the planet. Like her house was nothing was out of order. Everything was perfect. But dude, there was a fucking ring above her, above her chair of like, just, it looked like tar. It was, I mean, for all intents and purposes. Right. But smoking is something that I just don't fucking understand why people tobacco is evil. Yeah. It to me. By, um, in the Bronx, you didn't need, uh, a letter from your mom or your grandma to buy cigarettes. My grandma used to send us, me and my cousin would run across the street and buy some cools for grandma and, and sneak a pack for us. So we dip into her cigarettes. And, and my dad's dad smoked yeah. cools. Man, that things were strong. Fuck. But how did they yeah. live so long? Like my grandparents, I think my grandfather lived to like 78. And he smoked Lucky Strikes. No filter. Damn. And my grandmother smoked cools or Salem's and like my dad's mom smoked Chesterfield non-filters. And bro, she would smoke those things down to the, like they were little doobies. Oh, and she'd yeah. be like, and she'd do this. <laughs> yeah, spitting the tobacco yeah, out yeah, i was like yeah. oh man dude i can remember going into my grandparents house in the in the 70s and 80s and like there you would walk into their house and it was like a step up into their kitchen and that's where all everything kind of happened at my grandparents house in the kitchen right and you'd walk you'd open the garage door and you're down like a foot mm -hmm. and so i'm like a kid right and I remember I'm like three feet tall probably, and I'm looking and I'm eye level, and I can see smoke and no smoke. Yeah, it's like a floating smoke screen. It was. A, Do you remember? Um, I remember ashtrays at McDonald's. 
I remember ashtrays at McDonald's. Remember? Hell yeah, dude. I remember like glass ones. Yeah. And then they went to those little copper, yes, like tin looking yes, ones. Yes. They had them at Burger yeah. King, McDonald's, yeah. Burger Chef. I, I remember Chef. them smoking on the plane. I remember going to my grandparents, with my grandparents in Puerto Rico. Kind of feel like I remember people smoking on the plane. I've been in airplanes that had ashtrays, ashtrays but those? never, never yeah. in a plane that I was I remember smoking. they locked them when they first Yeah, oh yeah. 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 And then I remember going into the bank with my mom and like just the teller is smoking cigarettes. Like, yeah. Nothing. Like it's insane. Like I lived that uh, mad men life, but just not the sales side of it. Right. Just the kid in the. What was it like growing up in, in the Bronx? So the Bronx is like, isn't that like a heavily like an Italian area? Where I lived, um, the neighborhood I lived in, I actually lived in the housing projects in, in, in the Bronx. Um, Marble Hill was the name of the project, the housing development, um, also known as Murder Hill. And, and there's some, some rappers that came Holla. out of there. Um, uh, I, some, there's some like people that I know that's talked to. They said that uh, the building across from mine, uh, Damon, one of the, Wayne's brothers used to live in that building. Right. But um, growing up in the Bronx is just, it's, you, you've got you've to grow up quick. Uh, my neighborhood was, to answer your question, my neighborhood was predominantly African-American. And outside of it was a section called Riverdale. That neighborhood was predominantly Irish. And then... Um, Top of the mountain in Tulia. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, um, you And know, so my dad would send me, I just remember going to my haircut. So um, my dad would, my dad and my sister used to, their hair was you know, different texture in their minds. So they had a Jamaican barber and then my dad would give me $7 and send me to the Irish. Bro. My dad would be bro, like, I, you know what I was going to say is like, it's funny to me that it's like, there's a, a certain like Puerto Ricans, you have red bone yep. Puerto Ricans. Mm -hmm. Then you have like, I would say you're kind of like right kind of in the middle as far as like yeah. the skin tone and yeah. the hair texture and that yeah. stuff. I mean, you're definitely, yeah. you, you can see the Puerto Rican in you, right. but it's funny. There's like a group of Puerto Ricans that almost look like African Americans. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so you kind of like, you guys have like this. I think you do. Do you have like a relationship? And this is a I, this is a serious question yeah. because I mean I've always been. Everybody, when I was growing up, everybody thought I was like Arab. Really? Yeah. Like. Them, uh, yeah. Right. I mean, them. yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I that was what people thought I was, right. and I'm not, dude. I'm right. like I've got my ancestry right. DNA. Like I'm a hundred percent like English, yeah. English, Irish, Scottish, right. and Welsh. That's wow. it nothing else right yeah. no indigenous native american no nothing but it seems to be like this crossover where um those two minorities kind of have some commonalities that they that they seem to to operate well in the same space if right. that makes any sense right. is that true what two minorities puerto ricans and african-americans right. it seems that so if you and and i'll probably irritate it depends on what age group they are but um so when my dad's when my dad was growing up, that wasn't the case. Like there was, I would imagine my dad's age growing up in in the Bronx. There was, you know, they had their your street rivals. So Puerto Ricans, you know, they rolled with Puerto Ricans and the blacks rolled with the blacks. And um, but it wasn't. My dad told me that when he was in the army, was he got in touch with his African Latino side, Afro Latino side, and uh, he didn't. He never knew that. He thought he was just the Spanish kid on the block, and so he got more. Into, my dad came out of the army wearing dashikis. And um, had an afro and um, uh, and had a, a black fist pick that he would wear in his back pocket. Really? So tell me to grow up in the Bronx in an African American African African American neighborhood. I was telling a coworker of mine or a friend of mine that I grew up thinking like my that I was come for, came from a blended family. My mom was white and my dad was you know I, I, he's not real dark, but I considered him as, like he was like an African or Afro Latino, and and that's how I grew up. We didn't speak Spanish at home, so. 
uh, needless to say, um, I grew up with an identity crisis, not knowing where <laughs> I fit in, right? My dad, seven bucks, go to the Irish barber, and, uh, and my sister would go, him and my sister would go to the Jamaican barber. But to answer your question now, a lot of Puerto Ricans are, um, I, w- I would, it's safe to say that they're more in touch with their um, their Afro-Latino side, or they like what is mostly known as now, and uh, becoming in touch with that and, and having that uh, interaction with, you know, and supporting the cause, if 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 you yeah, lack of better words. I get it. I mean, it's, so it's, and I think that there is a um, there is a mistaken set of ideals that uh, I'm 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 not trying to tread lightly here because I don't want to offend anybody. I'm trying to articulate my point mm-hmm. to a point to where some everybody can understand what I'm saying. Right. Like, as a white person. Um, there is somebody that it, there's the type of person that just like absolutely, um, they seem disingenuous when they're talking about Afrocentricities and mm-hmm. in, in things that they don't know, they don't know fuck all about. The only thing they know about it is, is that they read about it or their friend told them about it. Right. right? And so where I grew up in Michigan, um, I grew up in, uh, I lived in, my parents lived in Westland, but all of my other family lived in Inkster, which was a predominantly black like city mm-hmm. still to this day. There are still some, some Caucasian families that live there, but honestly it's, it's largely been an Afro African American city since, since its inception. So I grew up around, around those kids and went to school with those kids, you know I mean? And so I didn't, I never had a problem with somebody because they were black and they never had a problem with me because I was white. Mm-hmm. If I had a problem with them, it was because they were an asshole and if they had a problem with me, it was I was being a fucking asshole. You know what I mean? I tell the stories. I've told the stories on the podcast before about me being, getting beaten up before. Yeah. And it, you know, uh, it, it didn't, I don't think it had anything to do with me being white. Right. I think it had to do with them being assholes. Right. You know what I mean? And I was yeah. just kind of the the one that took the beating. Yeah. But I, so I had friends whose parent, you know, obviously when I, when you have black friends and you're, you're, you're a kid. So there isn't, there isn't all these uh, social constructs that you know about, right? right? You don't know about somebody's fucking heritage and their family traditions when you're a kid. Right. You just want to ride BMX bikes, right. play fucking Hot Wheels, yeah. climb a tree, yeah. play tag, play flag football or tackle football, play ice hockey. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it, it it didn't come up like in in and it's just weird now that everything has to be so uh, one way or the other, it has to be polarizing. Like you either have to be like, you have to be down with the movement, you right. know, black lives matter. Right. And it's like, man, I get it. Yeah. But you know, you don't need to tell me that. Right. Like I know they matter. Like right. I've always known they fucking right. mattered, you know? And that was one of the things that came up in, in that last podcast that I did. It was like, I don't think black lives matter is a terrorist organization, right. but I don't think they're, I don't think they're doing what they're, they're, who are they trying to fucking convince? Right. Why does a black person need to be convinced that they're black right. and that they matter? Like right. that's supposed to fucking start at home, right? right? And I know they matter because right. of the way I was, wasn't was raised by fucking assholes. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was raised by human beings yeah. that taught me to care about everybody, yeah. right? I so, thought something the other day when, um, I don't know what made, what triggered the thought, but and um, as we mentioned earlier, Puerto Ricans are proud people, right? And But Puerto Ricans are proud of who they are. But if you take a Puerto Rican... It's they're 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 a, a blend of different races, right? So yeah, I mean Puerto, they were an island, right? So, so lots of people landed so there. So Puerto Ricans, uh, they 
a Puerto Ricans are actually people with no home. It's and I might irritate somebody, but a Puerto Rican. Uh, there was a poet. Um, I can't remember the name of the poet. It was a Puerto Rican poet. He says, "I am African, but I have no home in Africa." Africa. He goes, I am Indian, but I have no home in, in I have no home. I, have, I can't even speak the Indian. I don't even know the Indian language. Right. And I am Spanish, but I have no home in Spain. Right. So you're the blend of people, but still proud of who they are and in the culture and the blend of that culture. Right. Because there's the African roots. There's the Spanish roots. There's the Indian roots and being proud of that. And that whole family looks different. My family, everyone in my family looks different. That's what I noticed and more about it, more than proud, anything about Puerto Ricans right, is that still you can't, proud put, of you can't put your finger on it. Still well, part of their heritage. You know, if you go back far enough in history, we're all, mm-hmm. we all came from Africa. Like right. that's the, that's the, the genesis of civilization mm-hmm. is from that continent and those people. And over thousands and thousands and thousands of years of being in different areas and different climates and different, different uh, situations and, you know, different levels of, of, you know, I think it's serotonin mm-hmm. that's released when you're when mm-hmm. when you when, when you're stressed the stress mm-hmm. hormone those things kind of remap your DNA according to what you know biologists and archaeologists say and what they've found that we're all you know we're all one right we we've all adapted to our surroundings you know over over time and it's so it's it's just kind of an interesting thing it's it's funny that you say that because you don't hear many people address that situation in in those using those words and it's right. I mean dude it's a fucking fact yeah. like or in, and if it's not a fact it makes sense and it's not mean yeah. you know what i'm trying to say yeah. so there was a show i haven't i haven't caught, watched it um in a long time but i was in the first earlier seasons i don't know if you've ever seen it um blackish and, yeah um uh i think it's dion cole is the one of the funnier guys yeah on yeah, the yeah, show. yeah 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 and um they were talking about the u.s and he's and they were talking about the future in u.s and it was a it was a race related topic of on that episode and he said what's it matter he said by the year so, so we're all going to be puerto rican anyway meaning that and there was really some truth to that right what he meant was that we're all just going to be a blend of 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 different cultures and heritage and be proud of that well not to not to use the phrase coined by the democratic party here in the last over the last couple of weeks yes that was a political shot <laughs> um circling back to what we said is like i think it's important to have tradition mm-hmm. i think it's important to honor tradition I think it's important to practice tradition, but I also think it's important to not force things on other people. Like, um, you know, I've always had a a real, um, I don't know what the right adjective to describe it is. It's not ever been a problem, but I've never been like, we weren't raised, you know, Catholic, right? Mm -hmm. Even though my grandfather was, my father was, my mother was raised Protestant, uh, a little bit pre- Presbyterian, a little bit, but mostly agnostic and atheist. Wow. Right. So my mom doesn't like, doesn't subscribe to any of the, she's as Christian as anybody is though. I mean, as far as like her value system. Mm-hmm. Right. And she's like, she considers herself an intellectual in, in that she's like, she wanted to be Catholic and looked into it and it didn't work. And she okay. wanted to be Baptist and looked into it and it didn't work. Right. And I think that's part of the problem with, her not picking a religion is, is sometimes religion is about structure and doing things that, that maybe are uncomfortable right. at times. And sometimes one of the most uncomfortable things that you do uh, under the auspices of religion is look internally at yourself and try to find out, you know, how you can become a better Christian mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. better human being. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've had a conflicted relationship with like church. Like I really like Catholic church. Yeah. Um, but ironically enough, I enjoy an Irish 
Catholic. I've been to Polish mm-hmm. Catholic. I've been to Irish Catholic. I've been to kind of like, in, you know, kind of the Irish Italian are very close in, in the way that they conduct themselves in church. I'm not, I'm, I haven't found a comfortable place with um, Hispanic Catholic, yeah. like Mexican Catholic yeah. is a yeah. little yeah. too, I don't know, sing-songy is the only way I know how to put it, but it's it's not, it's, it's different, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so watching my wife's grandmother, um, who was very Catholic, I mean, pr- practicing to the day she died, like she did the rosary every day and the whole deal. I think that's one of the sweetest things I've ever seen is somebody that was that had that kind of conviction mm-hmm. to govern themselves in that way mm-hmm. and live their life that way and go through that. And so I love traditions. Right. Like I'm, and I always tell my mom, I'm like, what the fuck? We're like, we don't have any traditions. Like yeah. our tradition is we have a, a crab boil once a year. Yeah. And uh, when someone dies, we make what my mom calls funeral spaghetti, which is basically just a fucking giant, like slow cooker where she boils all the noodles and then puts five cans of spaghetti sauce and a pound of hamburger in there and mixes it up. And it's like already pre-made spaghetti. Like that's our tradition, right? Yeah, that sounds good though. It is good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But my point is, is like, I missed out on that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, my, my wife went through like, I don't, are you Catholic? I was, um, that's funny. Uh, I was born, I don't know if you, I was baptized Catholic, right? So I have a right. godmother. Yeah. But then, uh, my parents, I guess, would you say converted my, uh, 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 Pentecostal, for lack of better words. Really? Yeah. You want to hear a fun fact? Fun fact. I'm two credits away from becoming a certified minister, but I gave that up a long a while back. Really? Two credits away. You heathen. <laughs> Pass me another beer. They're right next to you. <laughs> um, that you, I I could see my. I'm trying to get Cam to start a church with me. Cam. Big Cam? Oh yeah, really? Yeah, his his family, uh, they're Pentecostal and his okay. dad was a minister. Yeah. And I, you know, I want to do like a biker church. That'd be cool. The, there was one in Plant City, but I think they moved. No, they're still there. That's the that's the Faith Riders. I want to do something kind of a little bit more Not magnanimous like that. than that. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. uh with Cam and I, like Pastor yeah. Cam and Deacon Jay. It's kind of like, you know, like a Saturday night sinner well, supper at church. 7. I'd be, I'd be an usher. You know what I mean? Like just go, no, it would be like kind of like the the premise is I I kid around about it and and I'm I'm half joking but Half not like when uh, were you at my dad? Were you at the service I we did at the no? Well, Cam Cam came in there and like brought the house down. Yeah, you know what I mean. He just has this way of kind of calming this calming effect on everybody, and it's just it was it was really nice the way he did it. And I thought, shit, man, yeah. you know, like uh, there's a space for that. Like people need to hear that they're okay. People need to hear right. that they're not that even though they're they're cracked, they're not broken. Right. Right? right, and so I thought that you know everybody thinks that I'm talking about like have you seen the that uh, that show that was on I want to say it was on HBO it was the the royal um, oh man if somebody's watching this right now on Instagram throw the text up it's uh, the royal gemstones have, have you seen, seen that no oh, dude good such a great series okay it's 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 pretty fucking epic yeah. It's, I mean, they all like, they'll drive around in like private G5 jets and shit. And they're like this super rich family oh, that owns I've churches. Seen, uh, it's John Goodman, yeah. Danny McBride. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. really funny. It's pretty new, isn't it? It's fairly new in the last yeah. few years. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. pretty crazy. So yeah. I'll check it out. So you're, uh, you're rocking the Voorhees over there, huh? Yeah. It's Jason Voorhees. Shout out to Dixon Flannels. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm working out the details, but, um, it looks like I'm going to get to go to Phoenix and interview Danny in April. No stopping grounds. If you haven't, um, any Mexican restaurant when you're there, you have to have 
Mexican food from Phoenix. It'll you'll never eat at Abuelos or the other place again. We like, we throw rocks at. Yeah. Have you been to Aztec over there by yes. Abuelos? Yes, it's Did pretty good. Like it? I like yeah, it. I, it's I like good, it. right? That's, that's as close to. That's not authentic, authentic, but it's as close to like that southwestern style that I'm used to over there. There's got they've got this. Um, uh, cream cheese, jalapeno cream cheese, and chicken burrito covered with the sauce. Oh my god, it's amazing! You gotta try it. Burrito, at, the at burrito Aztec blanco, or in Azteca. Azteca, okay, burrito I'll try blanco, it. get it. I, I will. Yeah. I, I am. I'm trying. I'm trying to not be a fat ass anymore. Yeah. I mean, I'm not that fat of a fat ass. Like I'm okay with my weight. Yeah. I just got a little bit of extra something, something around around the around the mid middle. The joke middle around parts. the house is I I watch this YouTube diet the dietitian and, and uh he was talking about the keto diet and i was i was bought in when he said that pork rinds were keto there's a keto snack i'm like i'm in that's the diet for me and um so i went i stopped in arcadia for lunch today and we had a uh we had a chili cheeseburger right and the bun was to the side so i asked the waitress if i don't eat the butt top bun does this make it a keto lunch and she's like oh yeah sure but it doesn't sound like she knows what keto no, is. No, I don't think she does. In Arcadia? Where's Arcadia at? Arcadia, where is Arcadia? It's south. Of, when you go south on 17. Oh. Way down there. Okay. I've been through it. I think yeah. uh, like 17 past, and like, 70. So you're going past uh, past Frostproof, past Avon Park. Right Sebring? Think, think is Sebring off of 17 or 27? 27. 27. So I think Arcadia is just west of like Avon Park, I think. How big is your territory for Kimball? I cover from Gainesville all the way down to Naples. Yeah. Do you really? Yeah. So, so, my, so like when you come in here, and we go through, go through the, like the 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 thing we do, you know, where you know you go to the bin and see mm -hmm. what's it. You do that? No. So my role with Kimball is to help sales reps grow their business on uh, two thousand. Plus a month opportunity, larger opportunities. If it's a multi location, they would bring me. I'm uh, they would bring. I'm with the key account strategic sales, so they would bring me in to help them grow that account. So this would be like a, a chain of automotive repair right. facilities yeah. or something of that nature. Yeah. Or the chain of uh, fleet repairs, or yeah, like you said, like automotive. Mm -hmm. If it's a chain, if it's got, a, I can help structure that multi location deal. Or if it's just a larger opportunity, we have an account that. Um, in Lake County in Okahumka. You ever heard of Okahumka? Uh, I just just now heard <laughs> yeah. of it when you said that. I probably uh, umka umka. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's way out there, like through the forest. Uh, and uh, so I have an account there. They build like these uh, vacuum machines, sweep, street sweeping type machines. And there's hydraulic lines in them. And they want us to take care of the, take over the lines and, and building those kits for them for each um uh, component that they build and uh, each it could be a like a, a million dollar deal just on that one from that one so account. do you have any like do you ever go into some like a, like a, not even necessarily a cold call but you like you've got to go call on on this business or that business and you go there and you're like holy shit this is uh, this is the one of the coolest things there. and it's some weird widget or gadget and you're yeah. like out in the middle of fucking nowhere and yeah. you're like i didn't even know this existed yeah. well would, give me an example of one of those oh man it's uh, what's a good one um i know down in like fort lauderdale there was an account where they just made like um some radio component and they were based out of taiwan and uh 
that one was pretty cool. And they walked us through the facility. And um, what was one that was really, really cool that was just wild? Um, one place where they made, um, like, some weaponry for the for the U.S. Um, I don't know what branch of the, of the service, but it was they built these um, – this weaponry that that had these massive bullets in it, and you would just never thought it was there. It was in uh, near Davis Island, in that Tampa area, and was just cold calling, knocking on doors, and we just was found that it was just sitting right there. So That's cool. you know, I've been a salesperson um, my entire adult life in one way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. right? But I don't think I could do, I don't think I could do door to door or cold calling sales. Right. I could be an account rep right. for something. You know right. what I mean? Like I, if you're like, hey, here's my book of business. We right. need you to go down there and, right. you know, here's your con- your, your, your point of contact. Right. You go in there and see them. And they used to spend about five grand, you know, a month yeah. with us. But now we want to get them back up to 80. You know what I mean? Accounts. Exactly. You know, I mean, right. I, could, I could do that. Yeah. I could go in there. But I'm not a door-to-door guy. I had a job when it's I was. It's fun, though, going door-to-door. And is just, it? Uh, yeah, it's fun. You just, um, you just develop this thick skin and, and you get used to the rejection and. But then when people do talk to you, it's, um, it's, it's, it's funny because when we, when I, what I was saying, when we were, when I first met you, it was like a, uh, when you, when you came in, you were like, tepid's the only word I know how to, how to kind of be. It's like, you know, and I don't know if I, I don't know how I come across to people that don't know me. Right. You know what I mean? You don't, there's no way to find that out. Like somebody can tell you like, Hey, you're kind of being an asshole, but you were like, uh, you were real soft spoken, but you were. I think you were kind of. I I felt like because we had that little showroom, and I felt like you were kind of like that. We intrigued, yeah, to say the least. Yeah. Like the, you yeah. know, there's motorcycles back there yeah. and stuff like that. And you had a cool shop. I didn't know that you were there, right? So I mean, that shop, finding that shop in my backyard. Like I lived like two miles from you. Yeah, you're in. You live up in Walden Lakes, right? Yeah. Okay. At that time, I was living right next to the high school. Um, right off of Mackey, right off, right next to Plant City High School. I, I was living right there, right next to the baseball field at that time and uh so you were just right down the road from me i didn't know you were there it was a cool shop you were just like you didn't look like you were you know that plant city type you didn't have a <laughs> you have a florida gators hat on and camo shorts with uh and, what it, uh tiktok calls it florida tweed he calls camo florida it, tweed yeah yeah so i can just um like it was it was a cool energy there you, you look busy though right so and then that's one thing on sales calls i tried to when i'm on a sales call and i can tell someone's working i try to be respectful of their time and try to get right to the point and not come off so abrasive and, you know, let that person know that's in front of me. You know, I have, yeah, I, I think I have some, some things of value to show you, right? If you just give me a second and like, try to pick, identify those couple Yeah, of I feel like I would be like, uh, I, I just want to drop off a card and, yeah. uh, you know, and, <laughs> and that's not a way to do it. Right, you have no. to know how to, like, um, navigate those waters and get them to right. kind of, that, that's one of the rules of sales is like if um, one of the worst things that salesmen don't do and uh is they don't listen right and they're not looking at social cues and they're not looking to see like i can tell it's funny and it it, now it's it's instinctful and it's something that it sounds boastful but you know like there's some people like i watch uh i watch guys like brian butera Mm -hmm. ben metal Mm -hmm. and weld Mm -hmm. i can build something out of nothing Mm -hmm. and he does it so fast and it's so nice right and then you watch guys like uh you watch guys like xavier um, play the drums mm-hmm. and he makes it look effortless right. and he's so good at it. You know, he makes it look, that's the key when somebody does something so well that they make it look like anyone yeah. could fucking do it. Yeah. 
and then you go to do it and you just you're all thumbs it nothing works you don't even know you don't know what you're doing and so i've been to so many sales trainings and so i've just done so much sales since i was 17 that it's such a an innate thing that i have the ability to do mm -hmm. that and i think once you're an expert at something it means you can teach somebody else how to do it and so, you know, teaching somebody how to sell is something that I, I'm, I'm actually very good at. Yeah. And, you know, I enjoy the process. Yeah. I can figure out, I can usually figure out within about 30 seconds how much money somebody has. Mm -hmm. And when I talk about how much money they have, it's not how much money they have at home or in the bank. That takes me a little bit longer, but I can always figure it out. Mm -hmm. How much money that they have to spend with me today. Right. And that's, that's, that's a key important thing because there's rules to sales, right? And, uh, I don't, I don't know how you structure your sales. How do you, how do you structure? I mean, what is your, what are your key, what are your key points of looking for in, in the sales? Cause you're doing cold calls, right? So the reason why I say, I don't think I could function in that very well right. is because my entire career has been, I'm sitting here or I'm standing at a counter and somebody's coming in and I have something that they want, or I have something that they want more information about. Right. So my role now, I'm not doing as much cold calls as I was doing when I first met you. No, but you're still a salesman. Right. I'm still a salsman. So a lot of all my the calls, rules apply. Right, the sales, per, the, the sales reps usually bring me in and I'm coming into the accountant. So what am I trying to do? I'm trying to maximize, um, you know, what every, I'm trying to get every, everything that we have in there. I don't want to share the pie with my competitor at that account. And I know they've got about three or four of my competitors in there. So I've got to get, I've got to get that person that I'm person I'm talking to, to see the value in what we're bringing. Right. So I, my approach is more of a consultive approach. So do you not subscribe to the Burger King needs McDonald's, the Dallas Cowboys need the Texans mentality? See, I like competition, right? I like going head to head with somebody. Right. I like what I don't like is someone going, uh, I was just down at your competitor. Here's their price. Right. Can you beat it? That's not a, nope. That's, that's not a fucking, that's, that's not sale. That's, that's not, well, that's not even, that's not a competition. Right. You don't even understand. To me, when a customer brings me that info, when they bring me that information, they don't understand the process that they're asking somebody to do. Mm -hmm. If you're basing it just off a of price, and I say it publicly, I mean, I tell people all the time, I'm not giving you a deal. I don't give right. people deals. Right. I'm, there's no deal. Right. But here's the deal. Right. The deal is, is I'm, I subscribe to the 300% rule, right? Right. You get a hundred percent of my, I offer you a hundred percent of my goods and services, a hundred percent of the time to a hundred percent of the people, right? That's a 300% rule. And I subscribe to that. And so the deal that you're going to get from me is I don't set the price. Like if we sell these headphones, right? These headphones are set by this company, this auto audio technica. They say these headphones should cost fifty nine ninety nine. Well, that's what they cost. I don't give. A, I'm not giving people a discount. Right. Um. If you want, if you don't, if you want a thirty nine dollar headphone, well, it's not going to be these Auto Technicas. And some people want a ninety nine dollar headphone right. set, right? right? So, it's my job to find out which ones they really right. need. Right. And which ones they really right. want. And so I know how much somebody. If somebody comes in and they want to buy a tire, right? And they already they've they've already been online. Well, I just where did you find the price? Right. And I go right to that website. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing it for that. Right. You know, I like th that's easy. They didn't do any work. Right. 
they didn't they didn't try to find out why why is it more expensive they didn't try to find, tires a good example because people try to bring me tires all the time to install and they buy them on amazon and they're either uh they're either factory seconds the dot date on them is five years older and i won't install a tire that's older than five years and i won't install a tire that doesn't have a sticker on it right. i'm just not doing it it's not going to happen right i'm not interested in that right you know what uh I don't live in that nice of a house, but I'm not fucking giving it to you because you're a dumb dumb and you want to put a used tire on the bike. It's motorcycles don't stand up on their own, right. you know. So, so I I don't I don't when if I'm going into a sale and if they're talking if they're price shopping line items products I don't sell products I sell service. There my, you go. Okay, my, there's my, your key. Okay, right. so you so are my, you are a features and benefits right. kind of guy, right. and so one I'm, of the features I'm and benefits the are you. Service of but what my Kimball rep brings to their account that they're not getting from their competitor. You can't ask me to beat your competitor's price when your competitor is not delivering their needs. They're not your lead time is 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 taking a week when I can get it to you next day. So if I can get it to you next day and get you American made, how am I? How is that going to be? cheaper i was going to save you price if you look at the price point but i'm saving you time and i'm saving you money so in the long run it's the, the better option is to go with so so you just hit the nail on the head you just you didn't you, i don't i think you didn't you don't have to be you don't have to be the best price no there are some people that that's all they shop for right and they can they can but they really they think that that's what they shop for no that, there's shop, people they, they, they leave in, that. in business transactions that's how they shop but if your refrigerator breaks down today, right, mm -hmm. and you have to go buy a new refrigerator tomorrow, are you going to look for a, a cheaper refrigerator? Or you, you might you might go into it saying, I want a refrigerator that's going to last me longer, so I'll pay more for it. If it has more benefits, I'm well, going to pay more for that refrigerator. I, well, I, yeah, because I understand the logic in that. Right. But a lot of people don't. Uh, that's not how they spend their money anymore. It's like I try to explain to people, like, uh, and to tie, let me tie this back into the, into the bike shop thing. Mm -hmm. Like, people bring me... People bring me parts all the time that they buy online. And I always tell them, like, hey, you know I sell this stuff here. Right. Well, yeah, I just got them online. Like, I'll give you a really good example. And this guy listens to the podcast. And so this is a great guy. And he and I had a communication breakdown. He called me. He came in here a couple of weeks ago. And he's like, man, he goes, take my bike for a ride. It was a 94 FXR. And he, he'll know exactly who I'm talking about. And, dude, this thing would rattle the fucking fillings out of your head. I mean, it was, it was that bad. And I was like, God dang, you know, this, it only had like 37,000 miles on it. It was a nice bike. I know this guy, this guy doesn't beat the shit out of his stuff. I mean, he rides a lot, but he doesn't ride hard. It broke the mount on his exhaust. It broke. Wow. I mean, he put new rear mounts in it, two new front mounts, lateral, lateral arms, reset the chassis in it, and it was still vibrating. And I was like, dude, this is, it's the motor. Yeah. It's the motor. He's like, all right, I'll rip it out. So he rips the motor out brings me to the lower end and like the cylinders and um we take it apart we pop it all apart check out the run out so uh, the run out on the pinion shafts were on the, the pinion and the gear shaft were like three and a half four thousandths which is tolerable the the flywheels on the crankshaft were out a total of fifteen thousands or something i mean they were fucking whacked bro they were whacked, and uh, I can see Cody's not listening to the podcast right now. Um, they were just whacked. Yeah. Uh, they were fucked up, and so we started putting we're getting this motor back together. And he was calling me. He's like, "Hey, man, is you know?" And I'm like, "Dude, we're building a whole motor. It's gonna take a minute, you know." Mm -hmm. He's like, "Well, 
I, you know, I'm trying to get, I'm, I'm, you know, trying to get it done for, and I assumed it was Daytona. And so I was having a conversation with him the night before last. And, um, he was like, I'm calling, he was calling me to find out how big overboard we're going, you know, for the Pistons. And I was like, well, dude, he's like, well, how big of a cylinder are you going to get? Cause I'll get the Pistons. I'm like, well, I sell Pistons. Right. He's like, well, I'm going to get them on Amazon. I can get them in three days. I'm like, dude, I can get them from drag and I'll have them in two. Right. Right. Same piston. Right. You know, like put the onus on me. And then, and he was like, he had, he still had like the rocker boxes and all that stuff. And I'm like, dude, I was trying to slow him down. Like that's something you have to control the sale and you have to slow him down. But this is a little bit different situation because there was a communication breakdown and the communication breakdown was he goes, well, my factory, you don't understand my factory shuts down in like a week and a half. And I'm like, I don't, I don't understand. He's like, well, as soon as that happens, I go on seven twelves. I'm like, oh, he's trying to get this done right. before he goes on seven twelves. I'm like, dude, just bring me all the shit here. Let me put this motor together. I'm going to give you a motor back complete head to toe, top to bottom, ready to go. All you're going to do is hook up the fuel line, hook up the oil lines, prime the motor and fire up and you'll be good to go. Right. right. And so the reason why I'm telling you that is because he thought like he would be, he thought he would be helping the situation by getting it on Amazon in three days. And I get, you can do, and I buy stuff online all the time. I buy stuff on my phone, you know, Mm -hmm. and I enjoy that. Like Mm -hmm. I dude, I dude, have your, I, I drunk buy shit all the time. Mm -hmm. I'd be a Sunday afternoon watching Mm -hmm. football and I'm like, huh. I bought a pair of fucking red bottom combat boots, dude, for this wedding we're going to. They're dope looking, but I'm like, I got them in the mail. I'm like, I can't believe I fucking bought these. You know what I mean? Like, and so I do that stuff all the time and I get it, but I'm the type of person that if I buy something from you, I enjoy the process. Yeah. And so I try not to need things very quickly. Mm -hmm. And I know that especially motorcycles, like I live and die by my credo Mm -hmm. is that, uh, there's no such thing as a motorcycle emergency. You know, you've heard me say it before, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no such thing as a motorcycle emergency. Like, and I, I tell my cust- my employees that too. I'm like, check it out. You're in an 8,000 square foot building. I mean, we are arguably one of the footprint wise, one probably one of the biggest independent shops in the yeah. country. I mean, we, yeah. I'm, I, you know, I know that Ramjet, Tony at Ramjet, I think he's got, I think he's in an old grocery store. So mm-hmm. he's probably 20,000 square feet, you know, and there's places in California that are bigger and smaller and whatever, but you've been in our warehouse. Yeah. There's like just in our metric bikes in our metric bike queue right now, we have 31 motorcycles waiting to be worked on. And I have one metric tech that's enough work for four and a half months. Yep. And on the Harley side of things, we're probably half that and probably a quarter of those are long-term projects. So, you know, it's one of these situations where it's, it becomes a management situation. Mm -hmm. And I try to tell people, like I tell my employees, Every one of these vehicles in this building has the same thing in common. And all of them, and it is that none of them are required. There's one fucking motorcycle in this shop that is not a recreational vehicle. Right. And so we need to treat our clients with a tremendous amount of respect, whether they're here for a $50 quick repair or a $5,000 engine build or more. It needs to be an honor and a privilege that we work on their motorcycles, and we need to be respectful of that. And that these these, these are hard earned money, and it's not money that they have to spend. It's money that they 
want to spend. Right. And so at the same time, there's not a motorcycle emergency. There's also, we're very cognizant of the fact that not, and we, you know, we're, we're a luxury item for people. Right. And so, and you're really, you're not, I mean, you're how, you're how we get our job done. You're how that place that builds those vacuum yeah. vacuum street sweeper things, right. how they get their job done. Right. And subsequently it, it rolls downhill. Right. So as a supplier, I, I can understand where, you know, there's those different rules of engagement, but service is the most important thing that we offer. Yep. Yeah. That's huge. And also, I mean, like your product line is a strong product line and that you've backed by lots of, of strong, right. strong clientele. You know, something that would be interesting to unpack because you you taught me this last year. We had a conversation about this, and I, I would love for people to hear this because, and uh, this this would be something that would that I've had this conversation with Paul at Bare Knuckle Choppers a lot because he's a big advocate of. I mean, that dude will drive out of his way, go without, um, pay extra to buy something made in the United States by union by union people. I mean, that's something that that's near and dear to him, and, and I respect him for that. Mm -hmm. Um, your Kimball Medwest line of nuts and bolts. I mean, you can buy a fucking, and we've done it. We did right. it before I knew you. Yeah. I went on, I went on eBay and I bought like the that old bolt bin we have in the back yep. and it was full of grade eight fasteners. I'm thinking they're grade eight, right? Right. right. But I find out that that's not the, it's not the case. The grade eight, the grade eight, there's standards that are, that need to be met, right? To have that grade eight stamp or the six lines on, on the head of that fastener. But uh, if you look at the markings on the head of it, you can tell which ones are import um, fasteners or domestic. And there's not many domestic um, fastener companies. And Kimball Midwest, we are um, we only sell domestic. And when I say domestic, I mean USA made. If you call one of my competitors and say, "Yeah, they're domestic, but they're domestic to China," right? And so that's how they that kind of really like, yeah. That's how they play. They play yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, semantics yeah. That, with that's, that. That's that sales weasel. Um, it's 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 wrong, and that's not what we do. So ninety percent of our products are USA made, right? Our USA made um, fasteners can be traced back all the way to the American made wire. So if you have a fastener that comes from China, they don't have a natural resource for steel. So where is that 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 steel coming from? You know where it comes from? It comes from probably your dad's old uh, 71 Skylark that he used to have, right? That's melted, that they bought, and they just melt down steel, and then that's what ends up becoming a fastener. You break an import fastener, not to sound... Um, Bougie? Yeah. No, what's the word? Um, like um, Pretentious? With, yeah. When you break uh, an import fastener from china you can see the impurities in it right when you view to break a, a one that's made here from the u.s it's 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 a lot cleaner steel so um we're, we back our product by that american made and that quality so you're not gonna pay less for something that's better right you know we right. do our best to be in in in, in that right price line right because you have the people we deal with right they have to if it's a production type facility right there's a a, a price that's already set that what they, what you factor in, you have a price when you build a bike, right? There's, there's a, a price of that bike. So you can't go, your parts have to be in line. Yeah. It's funny and, that you have like this group of things where I, when I'm building a bike for something, like, what do you have to have? What do you right. not care about? You know? Right. And well, like, so you have to build that around, uh, you ultimately it comes down to a budget, right? Right. So we understand that you can't, our fasteners or whatever else that we are selling, it can't be a national, it can't be so far off from what you're used to paying. 
But if it's within, you know, we're usually 20% higher than our competitors. And to have that value behind it, I mean, I would pay more for that's. Oh, we do here. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, yeah. you, you, you come in and, and take care of us on that. And we've started moving into some of your other stuff too, which, you know, it's funny. You can get the job done, but the job gets done so much better when, yep. when you do it a different way. Yep. You know what I mean? When you do it that way, it's important. It's important. So, um, I'm, I wanted to, I, want, <laughs> I wanted to talk about, so we're going to Daytona. That's, mm -hmm. there's lots of stuff going on. Have mm -hmm. you been, do you, is that, have you been to Daytona before? I have never gone. Really? I've never gone. I mean, I've been to Daytona. No, right. But not but the bike week. I have gone to bike week now. Really? Yeah. So we're going to bust your cherry this year. Yeah. Wide open. Wide open. Do you have any time off at work? Any PTO? I, um. Can you go on some sales calls yeah, in Daytona calls. while you're over there? It's my territory. Is right? it? Yeah. You go that far? I, I've gotten, there's not much that we do out there, but I mean, we, we actually don't have a sales rep right now, but it's a territory we're building. So yeah, Daytona is part of my territory. Right on. So it, it's funny that you haven't, yeah, it's so funny to me how many people like live in Florida and haven't gone to Daytona yeah. Bike Week and they ride. So you've not done Sturgis? You haven't done any rallies, done have any you? Any rallies? Yeah. Really? No, 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 no. That's funny, dude. Yeah. You're gonna. I think it's gonna blow your shit in the street. Yeah. You're gonna be a little surprised at how, how different it it is from, like, what, what I mean, like, what do you, like, what are your, what are you envisioning it? What do you mean? I mean, so I'm like, hey, you want to go to Bike Week? Obviously, you're like, yeah, man, I want to go. Like, blah blah blah. But what do you think? I mean, what are your, what are your, like, what do you? What do you expect, like, as opposed to, like, where your expectations are going to be, like, you know? Right. I'm really not, no. It was, I, I made it uh, one day, uh, it's a funny story. My wife and I were looking, I, we thought about going a couple of years ago, and you go on YouTube and you look at Daytona Bike Week, right? And then um, there was one clip of the uh, wet t-shirt contest, and they, they showed the winner. I'm like, shit, babe, you can win us all kinds of beer money. <laughs> so I Go to the Cabbage Patch and get her, get her doing some coleslaw wrestling. <laughs> Get to get, uh, earn uh, hotel money and, and beer money. It's I've never been to like I I don't go to um I've never been to the Cabbage Patch. Mm -hmm. I don't even know where the fuck it's at, mm -hmm. but I know that they have coleslaw wrestling there. Really? Yeah, and so I've never been there, but I usually go to so I go to destination. I used to work it every year. Okay. So like I, I mean I still go there. Like I go there for business now, right? Like that's right. what I tell Karen anyway. Right. It's like networking, <laughs> no, no, no. and I have to be you know, right. and uh, but. I used to go set up um, with Baker Drivetrain. We used to set up at the Speedway and do installs, and then they moved over to Destination. And I did that a couple times. Or just I did it a couple times. One time, I did it one time with them over there at the des at Destination Daytona. I didn't do any installs. I did the sales side of things. Um, and then last year we set up. Uh, I set up for the first time as a builder in Daytona last year, which is fucking cool. Um, I appreciate like Bill Dodge asked me to be part of the handmade lot, which is part of the uh, Chris and Heather Callen's, uh, source media, cycle source magazine. Mm -hmm. And so, um, that was a, that was awesome last year. Are and they doing, I still remember a couple of years ago, they were doing like diners and donuts and meet everyone. Like, at Donnie's donuts. Yeah, they do, do the diners. Yeah. I, I don't again? know if they're doing that. I know that. Um, so, uh, they're doing hardcore cycles is having a show the first Saturday at, uh, Bruce Ross Myers. Okay. Sunday is true grit. Warren Lane, um, everybody knows. Everybody knows who Warren is the Atomic Metal Smith. He has his antique show on Sunday. 
I don't know what's happening Monday or Tuesday. I'm sure there's I'm sure there's something. There's always something to be found. And Daytona's kind of funny. It's like the first weekend there's usually a couple events and then things kind of chill out for a couple days. And then like Wednesday, uh you have the Parowitz paint show at the Broken Spoke. You're gonna have uh Ronnie at Chop Docs is having his uh vintage chopper show. Uh Jeff Holt, the V Twin Visionary, is having his uh performance show on Wednesday at Bruce Ross Meyer. So Wednesday's a day that's packed. Thursday is always, 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 always Willie's Tropical Tattoo Show. That is the biggest chopper show. Yeah. It's to me, honestly, like chopper shows, it is the most important, most substantive chopper show on the planet. And and it's been that way for a long time. Yeah. Like I've never won that show. The highest I ever came uh it was in two thousand and six. I got second place there. Did you so really? I was, yeah, That's I was the cool, first right? loser. I was the first loser first in the sportster yeah. class. I had my little digger there that year, um, but that is the best show, like chopper wise. I'll be there. We'll be there all day yeah. there, and then. Um, so it's two weeks, right? Will you be there both weeks? I'll be there. I go there. I got to show up there on the fourth. Mm-hmm. I'll be there. I check in the hotel on the fourth, and then I will check out on the thirteenth, which is the following saturday and then we're going up uh the garage World podcast is co-promoting the show at adam at harley davidson uh with alleyway customs fish okay. from alleyway customs is having his show at uh at adam at harley davidson up in st augustine so okay. that'll I be say, a, that was closer to jacksonville right yeah that'll be an all-day deal there and then um that night we'll have well that night we'll have a, a little shindig i'm sure so I'm looking forward to I'm I'm really looking forward to Daytona this year for a lot of reasons. Um, one of which is that, um, you know, we've had, you know, last year, COVID kind of all started at Daytona. Right. So in my in my brain, um, we can put that to fucking bed. Right. Like, I don't know. I, I, you know, I, I, I have known some people that have you know, that have had family members, lost family members due to COVID. And I never said that it wasn't a real thing. Right. Um, what I said from the jump was that I felt that it was going to be uh, politicized, mm-hmm. which I feel that it was. I also felt that it was going to be a money grab for certain people, which I still, I, I still feel that it was a money grab for people. Yep. And so having said that and, and, and the way I feel about all those things, um, I've really kind of, I stick to my, I stick to my guns on that. Yeah. Like, you know, and so I feel like going to Daytona this year, uh, we'll be able to put a pin in that and kind of, I think it will, it's still going to be present mm-hmm. for that, mm-hmm. uh, to some degree, but I think that that'll be the, the start of the end of it. Right. If you, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. cause it kind of puts a 365 yeah. day mark on there yeah. and I don't know how much longer everybody can, can, can put up with, uh, some of the, some of the madness that's going on. Right. So, I agree. and you know, there were certain, there were certain segments of the population that were hit pretty hard by that. And there were others that really, it didn't, it didn't impact them very much, but right. you know, at the end of the day, I did, how did it, did it affect you guys business-wise? Um, I mean, it affected us business-wise. We were, um, we were able to control a lot of the supply chain issues early on because is that because it was made here in the States made here in the States and also um, my company is privately held right so we don't have our company doesn't answer to shareholders so a lot of our competitors they answer to shareholders so they don't stock a lot of inventory in their warehouses right because that's dollars 
that could be used for some you mean the shareholders' pockets, right? So our owners That's a would, key thing yeah, I have our never owners really invest in having our shelves stocked so we can support our customers and we hit a good chunk of our customers throughout the country get next day free freight. So that's huge. That's something that's a huge selling point. American made, next day free freight. We our nearest DC to you is Savannah, Georgia. If you ordered something tomorrow, it'll be here the next day. We zone skip to Jacksonville. We can get here in one day. That's huge. We get it down as far as the keys next day. No shit. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's it's been um and to this point, I think the last number I I, I heard was we're ninety seven percent fill rate. And that that's pre COVID, pre COVID, ninety one percent was like a good number, like what our what customers right. can deal with. But we're during COVID, we're ninety seven percent fill rate. That's fucking huge, dude. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, huge. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Dixon flannels because you, <laughs> I love your Dixon flannel yeah. story because I want to say it was a year ago. You were yeah. like, you're like, man, you were, you had a, you kind of like gave up on them and you were yeah. kind of a little pissed about it. And then you like sold all your, how many did you have? I had, oh God. You had a fuck ton, didn't you? I had a, I, for living in Florida, I had a fuck ton. I had like 13 plus Dixon flannels, right? That's Didn't you lot. sell them for a lot of money? Yeah, I made uh, eBay got a good chunk of it after at the end of the day, but right, I got fucking I eBay. got over a grand for less than for I probably sold about eight of them on eBay, and some of them went for like I couldn't believe like how much they were going for. I was like, forget flipping Jordans because I used to like I remember my brother and I we used to buy Jordans and then hold on. That's to them funny like, that that's a thing. I didn't yeah. realize that's a thing. I like buy sneakers, but yeah. I I keep my sneakers. Yeah. No, you can, we used to like back in the day flip Jordans. You can't really anymore because they're not as, uh, they flood the market now when a release comes out. Homie over at, uh, over at the barbershop, Murph, do you know mm -hmm. him? He just, he does, he does the SBs. He flips the okay. SBs. Does he really? Yeah. Wow. So I don't flip any of mine. Like, yeah. so if you're, if you're, so the, 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 the Dixon flannels that you had, like, did you have like special, like certain release ones? Yeah. So I had, um, I, um, my first two was, um, I remember, so I found Dixon Flannel on, just I saw it on Instagram. It was a few years back and um, coming from spending a lot of time in Phoenix and wearing flannels and being in that, you know, that cholo skater scene. And, <laughs> and, and like, I saw that they, that they were, that's where their, their target in the motorcycle industry was, the scene was caught up in that. And I was like, I saw that company. I was like, um, and I saw their cool flannels. So I saw a sale and I jumped on the first two flannels I bought was the one, the Pendejo. And the, <laughs> the, the second was the, it was called the Bronx. So I said, I'm a Pendejo from the Bronx. I've got to get these two. Flannels. That's fucking funny. Dude. So I got those two. And then it just, the, uh, uh, every releases, my wife would see them and she'd send them to me. And, uh, I remember I got, um, there was a Memorial Day one. I can't the Liberty. Was it Liberty? It was red, Liberty. White, and blue. It almost looks like yeah. a Debo. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's got like a yeah. brighter blue yeah. on it. It's, it's almost not quite like that I one, but that one I got a good chunk for that one. And um, which one? Are, I had the Kruger one. Uh, what was the name of that one? Elm Street. I had Elm Street. That one someone paid a pretty penny for. You know what I didn't keep was uh, I know this is dumb. See, I'm a hoarder. Yeah. As if you didn't know, look around the room. Yeah. You know, but um, so I had uh. I didn't keep the bags, but I kept all the stickers. Okay, I have all my. I still have most of my stickers. I had some on the um, on my my uh, Harbor Freight toolbox. I mess with Shannon. I have some on my Harbor Freight toolbox, and uh, I have some in my closet still. I still have all the stickers. When I uh, when I um, as a kid say when I got triggered, right? I didn't, yeah. I didn't throw the the stickers the stickers away, dude. Um, but I made an emotional. Um, 
I'm trying to think. I bought like one. I, I bought. I think the first one I bought was an SNS one, and then like the second one I got, I got as a gift from a buddy, my buddy Aaron Coit. Mm-hmm. He got me a. Um, he bought me the Evo. Yeah. And then it just the was. was nice. It's just kind of fucking. You have the V Twin one, right? You have the. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I got the V Twin Visionary. Um, my buddy, uh, my buddy Hux, mm-hmm. Daryl Huxley, he calls him. He says, "Dude, they're they're Pokemon for mm-hmm. adults." I've heard you. I've heard you say that in the podcast before. That's dude, they're fucking cool, man. Yeah. I, you know what? Um, I, I, I've got the Debo. I've got. Um, there were a couple that I got a Thoroughgood. I got two SNS. I got the the Performance Machine. You ever seen the Performance Machine one? Yeah, yeah, dude, yeah. it's fucking. It's yeah. got white pearl buttons on. It's yeah. badass. I've got that one. Um. You know, I they're they're soft, and I like yeah. wearing flannels a lot. Yeah. You can't wear them in the fucking summer around here. No, you'll die. You can wear them a little bit. You can wear them longer than you could, you know, other outerwear and and like fall out, outerwear. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. I mean, and like I'm, I don't work in them, right? You know, and I don't. Uh, I, I, you know, what I bought, dude. Like, so this one was. I was thinking. I don't know. What made me think of it? But I was sitting one day. I'm like, oh, dude, they should have one called the Oorah for the Marines, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. And then, like, two weeks later, the Marines' birthday came out, and he yeah. let, released a leather neck. I bought one of those Did for you? my dad, you that's know, kind of in memory of my right, dad. Right, you know right. what I mean? Oh, that's cool. So I just I, – I, dude, I like them. I collect yeah. shit, you know? I mean, I collect socks. I collect Dixon flannels. Um I got a fucking fuck ton of 1620 USA. Yeah. Holla. <laughs> 1620 USA. Yeah. You Have you buy Dickies again? <laughs> never, dude. Never. I mean, there's just like, it's not even, it's the, the, those clothing, the, the stuff that I get from 1620, I can't even fucking believe that that's like sold as a workwear mm-hmm. item, but they're, they're, they're strong as death. Yeah. They're strong as death. So, and they're comfortable as shit. Yeah. So, and they keep me laced up. The, the the one thing I would tell somebody, like if you're like thinking about buying, because it's expensive. Yeah. And uh, buy their fucking hoodie. Yeah. So my sister-in-law, God lover, gave me a hoodie for um for Christmas, mm-hmm. and it was just like a nice, just like a regular, like a a pullover from like Walmart, a nice one, you know, color gray, whatever. And I wore it like a couple of days here this week, just kind of fucking around like in the shop because I didn't want to fuck up my my new sixteen twenty I got. Mm-hmm. And I at the end of the day yesterday, I walked by the mirror and it's like all like frazzled and yeah. stretched out and it's yeah. thin and shit. And I'm freezing my ass off because it's like in the fifties here, yeah. Yeah. which I'm not. You know, you're not if you're you get acclimated to the weather here in Florida and it gets in the fifties, bruh. It's fucking cold. Yeah, I couldn't believe you had your heater on when we went to the store. We went to PDQ right now. Dude, I was freezing. On. Oh, man. we never turn the heat on at home. Dude, my wife has your wife hit the hit the the change. No, my wife. Is she watching right now? No, I don't think she's watching. Um, I don't know if she's hitting the change or not. But let me tell you something, homie. When we go to bed at night, she turns the air on. Even this time of year, she makes it sixty eight degrees in that house. Wow. And then oh, I hope she's not watching because I fight with her when she tries to put it below 72. I'm like, no, my AC can't handle that kind of work. Dude, my wife does not give a fuck about that. She, she doesn't like, understand. New AC she, yeah, we just bought one. Like the day my dad died, my AC broke. I'm like, it's not even like not summer anymore. It yeah. was hot as balls that week. And I didn't have AC that whole week. I had, and I had people come in and stay from out of town. But Karen, when we go to bed every night, Karen puts the... Air down to uh, 68 degrees. 
And then when she gets up in the morning, she turns that sh- the heat on to like 74. Wow. And we have a fake, we have this, uh, we, our house doesn't have a fireplace in it. No. It's got like an, we bought this, uh, this flat screen LED like fake fireplace, mm-hmm. but it actually has a heat element in it. Mm-hmm. She will sit in front of that all day, dude, when it's cold. That's great. Enjoying the fake heat. That's great. Our corporate's in Ohio, and every time uh, one of my uh, my uh, director of uh, strategic accounts, he'll he'll say, I, I can always find the Florida folks. Oh, Karen here. just texted me. I wonder what she's saying. He said he can tell when the Florida folks are, are cold because we're all huddled together when we're in Ohio when it's, when it's this time of year. <laughs> I, I might be in trouble here. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> what did she say? She says, yes, I'm watching. <laughs> that was your wife? Yeah, she just texted me. So next thing you know, your wife's going to be like, I heard that. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Oh, God, that's so funny. <laughs> no, it, it's uh, between her and then I'll wake up halfway. Right? Uh, do you have a dog? We have. Um, we didn't do anything for the uh Latino, Hispanic um, stereotype. We have three chihuahuas. <laughs> I, told, I told my wife. I was like, for real. We, next you time we like, get a dog, we're going to get a, a Caucasian like dog. tiny, angry little dogs. Yeah. Are they angry? Um, one is really old. One's angry. Nacho's really angry. Oh, Nacho, Nacho will growl at me for no reason. I'll like, really? Yeah, if I get like little rambunctious and I'm like clowning around with my wife and Nacho will just start barking like crazy. And Nacho's only like two and a half pounds. But he will like growl and he's angry. He's funny. Dude, we got well, you know I got a you 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 knew I got a new dog last year, right? Yeah. Well, so because we had so my dog passed away in 17, mm-hmm. uh, Turbo, my little Boston. Okay. And so we we're like, I'm not no more dogs, right? And at the time Amanda still lived at home. So she had a dog, and then we still had our boxer pit mix, who this dog is like crazy. She's got the most weird idiosyncratic personality on the planet. And she's sweet, but she's old. And she is got, like, all these old dog problems. Mm-hmm. And so Karen makes her sleep, like, in a chair. Like, off, not, she's not allowed to sleep, like, anywhere near. She sleeps in our room, in a chair. Oh, wow. She can't be trusted to not sleep in our room, though, because she'll, she'll piddle in the house. She gets right. pissed, like, right. if you don't let her in. And so this fucking dog wakes me up every night at 3 o'clock in the morning snoring. <laughs> and then Karen, I get up. She's the dog snoring in the chair. Our other dog is laying half on me, half on Karen. Karen's laying with her f- head at the foot of the bed because she wants to be under the ceiling fan. Oh and it's God. sixty-eight degrees in the house, wow. dude. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> Our other one, Churro, he's old right now. His like back legs when he walks is giving out on him, and we've never in our whole time that we've had lived together, been married, and and had animals, we've never had a dog pass so this will be the so my wife is like real emotional right now yeah you get attached to them dude yeah. dogs are like yeah. you know if you do it right dogs are part of the family you yeah. know what i mean like yeah. they always have been in our family and i wasn't raised with dogs no i was raised i hate my parents had cats and i fucking hate cats yeah. but karen her family bred dogs wow and so they're always they've always had dogs and well, so here, funny dog story so uh, i moved yeah? from i lived in the bronx so we lived on the eighth floor so when I wanted a dog, my dad was like, there's no way. Who's going to walk the dog? Who's going to go down the elevator and walk the dog? I'm not going to have dog shit and dog pee in the house. So um, when we were moving to Arizona, we made the plans to move to Arizona. When we get a house, we'll get a dog. So my dad, we live in Arizona. We lived in Paradise Valley, which is north of Phoenix. 
it's not far from where they have um, where we live. It's just like right down the road when they have that big auction in Scottsdale. Okay. Um, what's the name of that? Make them. Like the Meekum auction, that kind of thing? No, it's kind of like that, but it's a big auction they have every year with the gas monkey guy. He's always there. Barrett and, Jackson. Yes. So we were like um, like probably five minutes from there in that part, but we moved there in 89 when it was just desert. So anyway, we moved there, and uh, my dad said, okay, we're going to get a dog, and he went through the newspaper, and he found uh, a German Shepherd mix, and he brings this dog home. We na- He named him Rufus, right? I think from Rufus and Shaka Khan. And uh, so our dog, our German sh- long-haired German Shepherd was named Rufus, and this dog was mean. Like, this dog um, would kill cats in their neighborhood. My brother's job was to take the uh, torn apart cats, torn apart cats, and then on his bike pedal them to the school down the road and throw them in the dumpster. So Rufus was like, Rufus was brutal. Like he was like, he was the cat killer in the neighborhood. And uh, at, at some point my mom was just like, I can't handle Rufus anymore. He, um, he, he would, we would leave him outside. He broke into the house and like ate food, broke through the Arcadia door and like was eating food in the kitchen. Mom was like, Rufus was done. So we go to um, Phoenix, uh, uh, dog shelter in Phoenix and I take him in. I said, I've got to, you know, I've got to release my dog. We can't handle him. My mom said, I got to get rid of him. And, um, the, the, the lady comes out and she looks at the dog and she goes, I'll be right back. And then the doctor or vet or whatever he is at that facility, he comes out and he goes, what kind of dog is that? And I said, um, German shepherd. And he goes, where'd you get that from? I said, well, my dad got him from the paper, told it was long haired German shepherd. He goes, that dog is more wolf than you're allowed to have. So we had a wolf living in our house for like two, three years. It was insane. It was insane. He goes, you know this dog is going to get put down as soon as you walk out the door. And I still like crying, trying to look like a hard ass wearing my my $5 loaf and crying like a baby because my wolf was getting put down. Dude, I I got so I'll tell you I'll tell you my funny story about getting a dog put down. So when we when we decided we're going to move to Florida, I come down here and move in. Uh, to our house in April, right? Karen comes down with the girls on our on our honeymoon, or not our honeymoon, our anniversary. We closed on our house, ironically enough, it just worked out this way, on our anniversary, April 2nd. Well, when she comes down from Michigan, she, I had Missy here. I got Missy from the Hillsborough County Animal Shelter. She brings Turbo and Buster. Okay, Turbo and Buster were two male uh, Boston Terriers. Buster was old as the hills, Turbo was not. He was, this is in 2010. He was two years old. He's still pretty young. And so she, she's going, she stays here for a week and she's like, she's going to go back to Michigan and take the girls. They're going to finish the school year. She was uh, getting her college degree. And so she was going to finish that. And then as soon as her college degree was done, she's going to drive down. And so I drove up to there to get when they graduated or when they were done with school, I drove up that day went to Amanda's fifth grade graduation and uh, and then we came down then. Well, in the interim, when Karen leaves to go back to Michigan, she goes, I'm leaving Buster with you. So she's leaving the old dog with me, with Missy, the dog down here. Mm. Well, have, you haven't been to the house, have you? Mm-mm. So like in the back where our lanai is, where the pool area is and that, and, um, there's like three steps down to the pool, like mm-hmm. this big area. Well, the dog would, <laughs> the dog was fucking going blind, and he'd hit that first step, and he would just tumble, and then he would end up into the pool, and he would go to the bottom of the pool like a stone, dude. <laughs> like he didn't try to swim at all. He didn't, it, dude. He would just go ass over apple cart into this fucking pool, and I had to go in the pool like three times to get this little bastard out, right? 
Well, so that was in April, the end of May for Memorial Day. My birthday was over Memorial Day, and I was going to fly back to Michigan with my dad uh, for my birthday because my dad already lived down here. Mm-hmm. And so we were going to go up there. And so before I left, I had to have Buster put down. Right, so Karen took my car back to Michigan because I had a four-door Fusion, and I, she had a convertible Mustang. And so I kept her convertible Mustang down here, and the, the Saturday before I was supposed to go back to Michigan, I got to take him to get put down. So I get up in the morning, you know, open the can of dog food, you know, feed him a, a full can of dog food. I'm petting him, right? And I'm like, okay, this is his last meal, you know? And so... <laughs> I drive over here to the ASPCA, dude, and I walk in, and there's all these fucking people in there, and I'm like, uh, I, I kind of like got them under my arm, and I'm like, uh, the lady's like, can I help you? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm here to have my dog put down. She's like, oh, okay. She goes, um, have you already said your goodbyes, or do you want to go back there with him? I'm like, no, nah, I'm good, man. I, right. I don't, I don't want to go back there with him. Right. Like, I'm, I, I said my goodbyes, right? And she's like, okay. And she's like filling out this form, right? And she's like, okay, you know, it's this much money, it's this, it's that. And I was like, all right. And so she goes, what do you want us to do with them? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. There was a, I didn't know there was like a menu you ordered from. How you're going to kill the dog? She's like, no, no, no. We're gonna, we got that handled. But what do you want to do with his remains? I'm like, I don't know. What do you do with them? She's like, well, do you want to take him home and bury him? I'm like, no. Right. She's like, well, I can. She, this landlady was a crazy lady. She's like, well, I live on a big piece of property. If you want, I can take him back to my house and bury him on my property. Oh, I'm like, no. I, I'm really, whatever you do is good. Right, Like, right, you know right. what I mean? I had my time Spare with the dog. The details, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. yeah, like, you know, whatever you do. Right. It's good with me. Well, so, you know, and then I start fucking crying because the first dog I had ever had put down. <laughs> like, I had never done this before. Yeah. Right? I had a dog die before. Mm-hmm. One dog die before. Mm-hmm. But I'd never put a dog down. Right. That there's a very different. Yeah. That's yeah. very different, yeah. dude. Yeah. Yeah. So I get in the car and I call Karen and I'm on the phone. And I'm driving to the shop. I had just opened the shop. Our first shop in Plant City. It was Saturday morning. I'm driving over there, right? And uh, I'm on the phone By with the Karen. Twisty treat. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm on the phone with Karen, and I'm like, "Hey, it's it's done." She's like, and she starts crying, you know. And I'm kind of crying too. And we're talking, and she's like, "Well, what what do they? What did you do with them?" I'm like, "Well." I just told them to do whatever they do with them. And she's like, no, you can't do that. You can't just, you know what? They just put them in a dumpster with all the other dogs. And she's like going, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. She goes, that's not what, that's not what you said we were going to do. We didn't, we didn't discuss that. She's like, you got to go get them. I'm like, Hey man, I already just like dropped the dog off. He's probably already dead. Like I'm not going back and getting the fucking dog. And she's like, no, 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 no. Just go get him afterwards. I'm like, are you? Out of your fucking mind. And she was pissed, dude. Like, I had, so... You didn't go, I drive, go back? Listen, dude, I drive all the way to the shop. I get to the shop. I look up the number for, for the SPCA. And I'm like, hey, this is Jason. I just dropped my Boston Terrier off to get put down. She's like, yes, how, how can I help you? I go, well, I need to come get him. And she goes, honey, he's already gone. And I said, no, 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 that's cool. I needed him to be gone, but I need to come get him. Like afterwards, like I need to come get him. She's yeah. like, okay, well, you can come get him now. I'm like, well, here's the deal. I'm at work, so I can't come get him right now, but I can come get him after work. How late are you open? She's like, well, we're here till four. I'm like, that's great. I get off at one. Right. And she's like, okay, 
we'll we'll have him ready for you. Right. So, dude, I go there, like I get there at like one thirty, and she comes out with carrying him in a fucking plastic bag wrapped in a blanket. He was frozen popsicle stiff, dude. No they put him in the fucking freezer, dude. Wow. I had fro- so I'm driving home in this car with this frozen dog in my fucking car, yeah. right? His legs are sticking out like a popsicle. And he's wrapped in a blanket. And dude, I swear to you, 2010 was like the hottest summer on record. I mean, it was my first summer down here. It was so yeah. fucking hot for me anyways. Well, so in the back of my property, I live on an acre, mm-hmm. right, in the sub. But the back of my property, it's like this uh, protected wetland, right? Mm-hmm. And there's like a creek that runs through there. Well, it had rained a lot that spring, so that creek was full. And I couldn't get to the <laughs> other side of the creek. There's like a hill. Mm-hmm. And so... I couldn't get to that side of the hill where I wanted to bury the dog. So I go walking around my neighbor's house, like a couple doors down. I knock on the door. I'm like, Hey, I just moved in over there. My dog died. I want to bury my dog in my backyard. I'm like, but but I need to walk through your, through your yard. Are you cool with that? And he's like, yeah, no problem, man. You know? And so I'm like, all right. So I go get my shovel and I go back there and I'm digging in on this hill. Right. And dude, it's, it's like Africa hot. Yeah. I'm getting swarmed by mosquitoes. I, you know, I, I'd had a, I'd had a rough day and the whole time I'm fucking digging, this motherfucker is just, I'd go a little bit deeper. The cats will dig him up, but blah, 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 blah. Yeah. yeah, The whole time I'm like, Hey man, I finally was like, Hey man, look, I'm trying to, I'm kind of trying to have a moment here. You know what I mean? Do you mind? Like, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be a dick. Like we just met, but it's my fucking dog. And he's like, Oh no, go right ahead. (laughs) But he still stayed there. Right. So I dig this big hole. I walk around. I go to the car. He's still frozen. I carry him in the back, dude. He slide him out of this fucking bag. He's still frozen stiff in the ground. And I'm like, I forgot I had the ashes from our other Boston Terry. We had it when Karen and I first got married, we got a Boston girl and then we got this Boston boy. And so we had the girl cremated. Mm-hmm. And so I had her ashes. I'm like, you know what? We always had like a pair of Boston dogs. These dogs right. knew each other really well. You know, they yeah. kind of grew up together. Yeah. I'm going to put her ashes in with him. Yeah. You know? It seemed like the right thing to do. So this guy's like, where are you going? What are you doing? What's going on? What is that? What is, and I'm like, hey, man, like, seriously. Right. Like, back the fuck off. So I bury the dog. I put a little stone there. And what's funny about this is that that was on Saturday, right? So I had moved down here. I didn't have any furniture, really, to speak of. Karen had put, like, a a makeshift bed together for me. And I kind of had just enough to get by on and uh we had uh, we had ferrets and that is like the most white trash pet on the planet dude i had two ferrets i moved down to florida with two fucking ferrets in my car driving all the way down these ferrets dude ferrets they kind of stink they're kind of weird right and this pitching you come from eight mile you're from eight mile no we're down (laughs) south of eight mile so i had this ferret named billy and we had this other ferret named Chloe. And I don't know, we always bought pet pets in pairs. So we have Billy, and he's older. And all ferrets die from adrenal cancer. They get these adrenal tumors, and then they die from this adrenal cancer somewhere. <laughs> ferrets also, when they mature, they don't make noises. They, they don't have any vocal cords, really, to speak of. I'm laying in bed that night, and all of a sudden, I hear this fucking screaming coming from the front room and this thrashing around. We had this giant fucking cage, dude, with these ferrets in it. 
And I'm like, I can't get my fucking bearings. I can't find the light switches. I go out and I look and this fucking ferret is thrashing around on this fucking cage, oh dude. God. So I open the cage, I grab the ferret and I hold it like this and he goes and dies while I'm holding him, right? At like three in the fucking morning. So I'm like, what am I going to do with this fucking thing? So I take it out and I put it out in the garage, right? It's sitting in the garage. I'm like, I'll deal with this shit in the morning. So I get up. It's Sunday morning. I walk over to my neighbor's house. Oh, no, like, you did it. I'm like, hey, man, look, you're not going to believe this, but I my ferret died <laughs> no, last night. No. I need to go through your yard again. He's like, nah, no problem. So here I am out digging a fucking hole. Now I have like a whole fucking full-blown pet cemetery in my backyard. And he's fucking, no, I got two ferrets back there, two dogs, and we've lived, only lived here like 11 years. You still have the same neighbor? He, dude, here's the fucked up thing. Last summer, Karen and I are in the pool nice fucking summer afternoon everything's cool and i could hear our neighbors they were having a like a get together and i heard journey i'll never forget the wheels in the sky keep on turning right i'm like oh, fucking jamming out and all of a sudden no music and i'm in my pool and the way my pool is situated i could see into my house and out the front picture window and i see an ambulance go by and a fire truck go by so i was like that's weird. So I get out of the pool and walk over. This dude drops dead in his back patio while his family was there. Have you ever uh, seen the apparatus they put you in that does com chest compressions? Bruh. What? They strap your head in it. They strap your body in it, And then this thing's just going like, wham, wham, wham. And the stomach's going out like yeah. crazy. Dude, it was bananas. I'll never forget. He died. He died. Died right then and there, hey, dude. Hey, would you bury him? <laughs> Put him in the backyard. Oh, that's fucking. Oh, up. dude. Oh, that was fucking great, man. Wow. Dude, we just did an hour and forty, almost an hour and forty-two minutes. Wow. Long time. I think we'll wrap this one up here. Yeah. Dude, thank you for doing this, man. I yeah, appreciate man. it. I wasn't fun. sure. I'm like, oh man, fuck. I hope we have a lot to talk about. Yeah. I wasn't sure too, man. <laughs> hey, I'm. Thanks for having me. Fan of the show. No, man. Go follow your the real Frank Rodriguez yeah, on Instagram, Rodriguez. right? You can yeah. see his FXR division 14-inch bars. Yes. We got his, his Dyna. We're, we de-nerded his Dyna quite a bit. We're going to keep de-nerding it. We got to get saw, you some. Um, I saw a meme. I've got to hurry up and get my two-in-ones because I saw a meme yesterday. I showed my wife. Uh, it said, this is how dudes with stock exhaust eat corn. <laughs> so, uh-uh. <laughs> you got to send that meme over. You got to post that meme up. <laughs> I will. It's uh, it says, this is how dudes with yeah. stock exhaust eat, eat corn. corn. So, dude, that, um, I was telling you, uh, the dude from Recluse Clutches was here today. Mm -hmm. He did a cold call. He's got a Dyna like mm -hmm. yours mm -hmm. with the coolest true duels I've ever seen on a fucking Dyna. Yeah. They're uh, s, s Grand Nationals. S &S. And they sound rad. The only thing is, do you, do you ride with a passenger? No. I mean, eventually we get Angie on it, but I, she doesn't want to get on the back. Eventually, we'll get Angie on there. Eventually, on there, but she doesn't want to get on. I don't force her on. On I don't force her to get. It's not her. It's not something she's passionate about. So I'm not going to force her to get on there. I don't want her back. She just gets nervous, right? So I don't want her back there. Like Ugh. she's nervous. She, Karen's a nervous. Karen's really? a nervous Nelly yeah, about motorcycles yeah, yeah. now. Really? Yeah, she used to be. Dude, she used to be gangster as fuck. When I had my West Coast chopper, my wife would sit on like a rolled up leather jacket and wrap her legs around me and we'd roll that rigid chopper all over. We rode that thing. We went to LA in 07 and we rode all the way from West Coast choppers with all those chopper fuckers. <laughs> Dude, like I'm not lying. Jesse got on the freeway, Jesse with Sandra on the back and 
dude, we were doing well over 100 the whole fucking time on the freeway. We are just fucking rolling, bro, there and back. And now she don't. It was the most hardcore, it was the most hardcore, like, riding exercise I had ever, I had ever done. Wow. It was awesome. I got a cool testimony about your podcast um, today. I, I got home early because I had some office work to do, and I'm in the office jamming out, and I was playing a, an old 90s rock song, and she's like, my wife goes, um, what song were you playing? So I tell her about how I found that song again. I was listening to episode 54. You did that one in... Uh, Dan Ketchum. Yeah, you did that one in Michigan, right? Yep. And then I got part of the way through, and you mentioned, um, you were mentioning like the music he was listening to, and then you said something about the rap music, and then Clutch. I had been... Um, so I had been, I knew of this rock, I was been trying to find this song that I remember from back in the day, had a real cool like bass hook, bass, bass guitar hook, and I couldn't remember quite how it went, I couldn't remember any key lyrics to it, and then when you said clutch, it triggered it, I go, that's it, and it was- What um, song was it? Space Grass, uh, Jesus on the Dashboard. Oh yeah, I've been yeah. playing that song all day. Dodge all it took Swinger, was you saying clutch. 1973, yeah, dude. dude I played that song like eight times today because when you mentioned Clutch, I was like, that's it. I've been trying to find that song for like six months now. Like I, it was racking dude, my brain. Dude, Clutch is uh, one of those bands that uh, gets away with, they get away with not being front. I don't know how they're not fucking mainstream, yeah. dude. They are so you never good. Never hear them on the radio. That's why I couldn't. I couldn't. No, dude. The radio sucks. Yeah, bad. It really does bad. suck bad, dude. Yeah. I mean, even like, um, there's this new radio station down here, ninety eight point seven, that plays great classic rock, but they've got they're they're owned by Beasley Media Group, that's out of Detroit, and um, Beasley Media owns 94.7 WCSX and WRAF Detroit. And there's there's a couple other stations they own, but they own 98.7, the shark down here. And so when I got out of broadcast school, I went to get a job at CIMX, Windsor, Detroit's 89X. It was honestly, it was one of the biggest radio stations in the country in the early 90s because it was the first all alternative radio station, mm -hmm. right? So it was... Mm -hmm. Pearl Jam, mm -hmm. Alice in Chains, Nirvana. And they went like, they dug, dude, it was a, it was like, seriously, it was as cool then. And I was not a big grunge guy or alternative right. music. Right. And uh, as cool as FM radio became through, like, after the British invasion, like, so, like, album rock. I don't know if you're a music kind of nerd like I am, but album rock is, is thick. They coined it that because you you put the album on and mm -hmm. you'd listen to the whole thing, right? Mm -hmm. All all contiguously, mm -hmm. the songs kind of and the songs kind of like they it, flow. It was well, yeah. They were they were they were there was a song order, right? right? And then you had liner notes, and there was like this whole process that it's going back to some of the things we were talking about earlier, where it's like the quality over the quantity, mm -hmm. right? And it's just such uh, something that is lost on kids today. I mean, they have their own thing that means something to them, right? But it meant something when we were kids when you'd get an album and you you rip that cellophane off and you slide that LP out, and, you know. And I remember my dad had one of those velvet, like, album cleaners, mm -hmm, you know. Mm -hmm. You'd get all the dust off mm -hmm. it and you'd set it down. And my dad had, like, a special needle. And you never grabbed the arm yourself. You you hit the hit the thing up and lift the arm up right. and you put it where you wanted, right? And you hear that static as it rolled around. And uh, how cool that was. That's how cool CIMX was. Well, they had these two fucking clowns that ended up being on there called Dave and Chuck the Freak. And now they're on Riff in Detroit, and they're stupid. It's one guy's like, one guy's halfway decent. The other guy's a clown that just laughs like a fucking obnoxious 
hyena. They're really bad, and now they're here on the radio in Tampa. It no, sucks balls, dude. Wow. You know, I mean, I'm not saying I could do a better job, right? But I f- fucking do a better yeah. job than them. Yeah. Uh, and and it's just kind of a weird deal. Like they're they're not topical because they're not they're not local, right? right? But I had a so when I got out of broadcast school, I wanted to go work for CIMX because. It was just so happened that one of the most pivotal radio stations in the country was based there in Detroit. And they told me, no, I want you to think about this for a second. I'm going for a job being on the radio. I didn't get hired on the radio because I didn't look alternative enough. Wow. How does that even make sense? You can't fucking see me. Yeah. yeah you know yeah. what I mean? So I ended up on an oldie station, but wow, whatever. That's funny. So. Well, cool, man. Um, yeah, man. I really appreciate you doing this, man. This sure. is, I, we've been we've been talking about doing this for a long time. Yeah. So uh, we'll wrap this thing up, guys. Thank you for hanging out with us tonight. And those of you that are uh, that are online checking us out, thank you for watching the whole time. I'm trying to figure out this did this video kind of space of how to do this better and and do it live. And and we want to do some interactive stuff. So this worked good for us tonight. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna figure out how we can do this where we can take questions and uh, and anecdotes and stuff, man. I really appreciate it. And if you guys can share share this on your page or a link or leave us a rating on iTunes and that, believe it or not, man, leaving us a review on iTunes really, really helps. Check out our sponsor, 1620 USA Workwear. It's a little bit more expensive, but don't forget that you've got the, the discount code to save 20% uh, using the discount code Speed Metal. Go to Arlen Ness Motorcycles, check them out, electric lighting. Uh, the High Seas Rally. Um, I don't know if you know it or not, but I'm going to be on the High Seas Rally as a builder. So if you guys are interested in finding out about getting a cabin and, and going on, the, it's a biker rally with 3,000 people. On the water? On the water. It's all bikers, too. That's yeah. The whole shop, uh, the whole ship, rather, is just a biker rally. And so there's going to be me. Um, it's hosted by Xavier Muir from Providence Cycle Works. Uh, it's uh, there's Fog Hat, Trace Adkins, Molly Hatchet's going to be on there. Uh, I'm not trying to sound like a commercial, but go to High Seas Rally on Instagram and check them out. It's a, it's for a good cause too. Uh, I put a video up last week about yeah, uh, you know that. the dialysis thing, yeah. and and so it's going to that. And there's some proceeds going to Wounded Warriors also. And check out Source Media Sunday nights uh, shop talk. Uh, it's 90 to 120 minutes, all the bullshit they can fit on Facebook Live on the Cycle Source channel. So, thanks a lot, everybody, for for hanging out with us, and uh, have a good night. Listening to the Hour Wheels podcast with your host, Jason Holman. Thank you for listening.